Hello, folks. How are you? Welcome to episode 100. Super excited about this episode. Quite a goal to have. We started this podcast, obviously, when this whole quarantine kind of business started in March. And uh, here we are in July, I guess. No, August. It's August now. Uh, the first week of August, I guess. I'm about a whole week behind. Um, so here we are, episode 100. Still kicking, still trying to keep it positive in doing these interviews and doing these podcasts, and uh, we enjoy it. And uh, before we go any further, I'd like to take a quick minute to thank, obviously, all our sponsors involved. You see a lot of their products behind us. Uh, without these sponsors, this would not be possible. It also wouldn't be motivating for me. Um, you know, we want to do this to continue to push out our platform forward, but without the help of people like Embazage Sport, uh, Beat It Canada, uh, Dragon Energy, Maritime Madness, uh, Ruddy Lad, uh, BC Kimonos, DC Gear, the list goes on and on. Without these sponsors, it wouldn't be possible. So uh, thank you so much for them, and uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Brad Call, you have it, my friend. Uh, episode 100 in the books. Hard to believe. Uh, thanks to Chelsea, my girlfriend, for putting up with this in our living room for the last 100 episodes um, and supporting blindly and uh, doing what she can to, to help the brand. So I love you and thank you. Let's get into it here, folks. Uh, episode 100. Uh, let's start off with two guests here that are uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, two guys who I, I know one, well, I guess I know them kind of both somewhat well through the internet, I guess we'll say. Uh, the first is Stuart Cooper, you know, I, I like to call him a legendary filmmaker, whether he'll admit that or not. It's true. Um, I can't tell you how many people have got into the sport because of this man and also continue to move on and forward and compete and become more passionate about the sport because of this guy. Uh, Stuart Cooper is not just a great filmmaker. He's a black belt uh, based out of the UK, but now living over in Canada, uh, black belt with Diaz Combat Sports in Vancouver. And just a fantastic person, an ambassador of the sport, a fantastic competitor who's competed at the highest level of the sport, too. And uh, hopefully you'll see him at ADCC uh, 2021 if that goes forward. Fingers crossed. So we'll get to him in a second as well. Uh, Mr. Kev Johnson. Uh, this is a guy who uh, supports our brand, supports a lot of brands around the world. Uh, as you can see, his product behind us, Envisage Sport. Um, man, this guy does it all. The management of the athletes, the like the behind the scenes treatment of the athletes, the media obligations of the athletes on top of uh, sponsoring and getting them around the world. And on top of that, with this coffee. Um, so what this coffee is, it's a pre-workout coffee. Uh, we'll get him on to explain a little bit more about it. But man, it's tasty. A lot of athletes have used it that we've had on the show and uh, locally and stuff. So it's uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of it here in Canada. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. All right, folks, let's get it started. Without further ado, Mr. Stuart Cooper, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. No, awesome. I appreciate you coming back and joining us. Thanks again. Yeah, episode 100, you got through those quick. There you go, that's it. And Mr. Kevin Johnson, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thank you, uh, Stuart. Exactly, you're right. Uh, episode 100. Uh, we definitely got through it quick, but it's, you know, it's people like you guys randomly supporting and, and sharing and, and even like little thumbs up on the comments, man, it goes a long way. So I appreciate that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us tonight. How have you both been? Yeah, doing great. Yeah. Yep. All good. Thank you very much. And for me, I just want to say that, um, you know, running a podcast, I've never done it before. Um, 
but I imagine it's not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> and, you know, you've reeled off a whole host of names of sponsors and people and things like that for your particular thing, and I, which I think is a good thing because it shows you that people will gravitate towards uh, positivity and someone trying to do a different thing and something good. Uh, not to say that nobody else is doing anything good by any means, but what I'm saying is you, you've sort of targeted uh, your area and it's just expanded from that globally in quite a quite a rapid succession. So I'm not surprised you're on 100 episodes. I'm quite surprised that you're on 100 episodes that quick, but I'm not surprised it's 100 episodes whatsoever. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, you guys are good. Um, and, and with Stuart, like you mentioned there, he, he is a legend, whether you admit it or not. He doesn't need to because everyone else will tell you. Um, that he is so he doesn't need to be he can be as humble or as modest as he wants we all know that he has has rightly um you know implemented in people's careers and yeah. he's continued to do so i know he's definitely given me loads of advice um which i haven't followed um but <laughs> i have of course i have but um me and Stu have had loads of loads of long chats about life in general and stuff like that so yeah it's a pleasure to see you as well Stu by the way yeah, no good to um, see you no, thank you yeah. for kind words it's <laughs> true it's it's very important to you know it's it's like exactly like Kev said Stuart you know you have a, a massive impact on our sport and you mm-hmm. and that's the what kind of I think is the beautiful thing about you is that you're humble you don't give a shit like you're just like whatever I'm just here to train and be a good person and yeah it's refreshing as hell I'll just I just enjoy it. I jo- enjoy what I do and I've never done it for money, you know? So I think that's why people like my videos because I've never done it, you know, to really make a living. I've never made a living from my videos. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, I just lo- really enjoy doing it, making these films. Find it interesting. I guess like anything else, passion, you know, and with passion and hard work comes a beautiful product. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And no stress or minimal stress, apparently. Um, I, I know that you know if you uh, if you do something you hate, it breeds stress. If you do something you love, it breeds passion. That's the the or something to those words, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that if you're doing something you love every day, you're you're in a beautiful position. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it probably yeah. won't be it was for a long time, you know. A lot of that too comes from you know the what you know again. Stuart's humble, and you're humble too, Kevin. A lot of it, I think, comes from guidance, you know, and who got who I shouldn't say guidance, but like Stuart, obviously, when you started doing those videos, the list goes on and on who you've been around in the sport. Like, I'm not talking like the up and comers. These are like the legends of the sport who you did videos on. So obviously Mm -hmm. you're guided in the right way of, okay, this is how you should act. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely in the right place at the right time when I started doing them, because when I started making these videos, there was no one else. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy journey. It's been almost. I started making these videos in 2011, and we're in 2020 now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's it really is. see how the sport has changed in that time. It's crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine what it must be from you as a, yep. a participant and also a filmmaker. How mm. you, you know, it must be the changes must be massive for you. I'm not saying that nobody else has seen those massive changes, but you see it from different perspectives because not everybody films it, not everybody practices it, but yeah. you can you sort of bridge that gap, if you like. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I think it's very interesting, your background in particular, for me anyway, and I know Kat as well, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's it, man. And, and everybody comes to this whole thing with a different story, right? And same mm-hmm. as you, Kev, you know, like, yeah. you, like, 
I guess like, yeah. Okay. So Stuart's inspiring people through, through his, the way he does it. And, and uh, I'm not going to say I'm inspiring anybody with this podcast, but you like with your sure. whole, with your build, uh, with your brand and, and the way that you carry yourself and the whole kind of networking platform that you kind of do with your whole brand. Why don't you get into that and tell everybody about it? Because, you know, some people may or may not know here that follow our brand, what it is. Yeah, they probably won't. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's fine. Um, you know, so for me, I, I, I was quite naive to MMA um, in particular. And I actually, you know, a few years ago, if you asked me, is it a sport? I would have told you flat out no, because I thought it was just two guys getting in, hitting mm. shit out of each other for 10, 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's from an uneducated perspective, yeah. um, which is not uncommon still today, even though the sport is continuing to grow, which is fantastic. So for me, I went to Thailand after I had an injury um, for some rehabilitation more than anything and to start trying to get a bit more mobility. And I thought that it'd be a good good climate to do it in because I noticed that here in the UK, the weather's not great. So I was getting really sort of a lot of aches and niggles from the damp uh, damp temperature and stuff like that. So I went to Thailand um, and I went for a month. I didn't know what to expect whatsoever. Rocked up at one of the biggest MMA gyms in the world and it was like the atmosphere was just like crazy, like intense, you know. It was like people were here, they're here to work. Yeah. yeah. They're here to, yeah. to improve themselves, not just physically, but mentally, which is a huge part. Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, man, I just I went up to the sparring area, which you all know, um, and I saw these guys and I thought, this is amazing. It's so technical. I had no idea in the beginning. Like, if you'd shown me a jiu-jitsu video, I would have been like, that's just two guys laying on the ground. Totally. Rolling yeah. around. I have no... Yeah. Mate, over the past two and a half, three years, no, it's yeah. not. A lot um, of education. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, like, I sort of hit the ground running because I didn't know anything. Everything that I was given from people like Stu mm. was the real thing, the real information. You know, yeah. it's like a shortcut to the education. I don't claim to be a highly knowledgeable person in mixed martial arts or jujitsu or even origami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I had an express route to the to the knowledge of a lot of people like Stu and you as well, and yeah. like especially the guys and the team that we have. And yeah, mate, it's it's just been. I I wanted to do something because I saw a gap which was to help people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. little did I realize that actually in the MMA and jiu-jitsu world, there's a lot of people who need a lot of help, oh. um, you know? Yeah. So, so my, my doors be knocked quite regularly, as you can imagine, um, which is fine. I don't mind that in, you know, and there's been some scumbags and there's been some fantastic people who I've worked with and yeah, that's, that's life, isn't it? So that's how it works, yeah. but it's been amazing learning curve for me. And I'm so happy that I'm, part of this world and that like, it's almost reinvigorated my life because I had this bad injury like I said in 2013 and I was just in a shit storm yeah. I didn't know where to go I was you know the mental side of it not being able to get up and walk and like do everything that I wanted to do <clears throat> so the, the mind games were crazy along with the medication of course that they put you on <clears throat> excuse me and um yeah for me it's been like a huge outlet where I've been like I've just sort of thrown myself into it 
Um, and I'm there are really that, no, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that because who Stuart knows, Ali Mutamid was actually the, the first guy that me and him met in, we met in uh, Thailand, but afterwards, like we stayed in contact after I'd left. And I said, look, I really think that we could do something here. Like, I think I can help you guys, you know? So we met in Turkey for a couple of days and um, I didn't think he was going to turn up. I was like, if this guy doesn't turn up, what have I lost? Three days, I'll just see Turkey for a couple of days, a few hundred quid, no dramas, you know? And I was literally in the hotel lobby till like one in the morning waiting for him. He said, oh, my flight's four hours, whatever. This is like 12 hours after he's supposed to arrive. I'm like, God, he's not coming. No, no. <laughs> what was I thinking? But I could help this professional athlete. I don't Welcome know. to Mixed Martial Arts, eh, Stuart? Yeah. <laughs> and he turned up. And he, and he, I was literally on my way to the lift when he came out of the taxi and he was just like, I got the time wrong. I'm really sorry. I was like, no worries. And from there, mate, it's just gone skyrocketed. And we've just added this, added that, changed this, done this. Like, just trying to improve the overall, um, what do I want to say? I'm trying to improve the overall journey of an athlete. Sure, yeah. Which yeah. has been, my challenge has been, firstly, I didn't know anything. Secondly, I didn't know anyone. Those two things, right? The next thing for me, the challenge was that, you know, there's a lot of people that talk a lot. Um, they promise X, Y, Z, I can do this for you. You know, they see, especially, you know, young guys, athletic bodies, not like me. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they're getting a lot of attention from yeah, the opposite sure. sex and same sex for equality purposes. Um, but there's a lot of people that want to, they sort of gravitate towards that for that reason. Um, they're okay picking up the scraps, you know? Oh, sure. And, uh, yeah. So I had to almost like go over the top with what I was willing to do for the guys to show them that I wasn't here to try and take from them. Sure. And you, yeah. you guys will both know that in this sport, and I, I might get cold for this, so many people want to make a withdrawal with no investment in any any single sense you know you've got all these guys that are like two and oh calling for belts and and all this matter and i'm like why just yeah. just do what you're doing and that will come you don't need to well it's that's that good old you know the world we're in of that beautiful instant gratification right and you know it's yeah. that swipe right got a belt what do you think Stuart? yeah yeah no i completely agree i mean you've got a the generation, I think it was Darren Till was talking about the other day, like Instagram fighters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they post a lot in their social media, like mm -hmm. that their life, they're training a certain way, but, you know, mm -hmm. whenever you're posting that much in social media, you're not actually doing the work. You're not putting the time in, you know? So. Yeah. It's interesting how many, because I think it's a, it's a fair mix, obviously, but that's where I think again, proper management comes, comes in like proper management, proper people looking after you. Like Kevin said, like if you have someone looking after you and, and helping you facilitate those things, making it a little bit easier for you, then you have the time to, you know, if you can yeah. get some sponsors looking after you and giving you some money and, and giving you some gear, then you can, like Stuart said, you can focus on like exactly like you did Stuart with your videos. You yeah, know, yeah. Like you're, you're, that's kind of the way I kind of started like from stuff like Stuart would do like, just random stuff like here, you know, this, how much it cost to and facilitate your kind of business that way. And it's, it's smart. 
Yeah. What year was it when you went to Thailand? 2017. 2017. So yeah, I was in Singapore then. So I would have just yeah, been- yeah. You you weren't there. It was um, it was actually the first time I saw you was actually um, when you did uh, quintet with Hulk. With Hulk, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, I've heard the guy. I heard your name, obviously, like being thrown around between uh, the guys and everything. Oh, Stuart, this, Stuart, that. All bad stuff, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's, that's Stuart. And then I can't even remember how we started talking to you. Can you? Um, no, I'm not sure. Actually. I think just online, as, as you do, you know. I just think I was yeah. just a new Hulk, and I saw Hulk was sponsored by Envisage, and then I followed you and started liking the post, and then we just ended up talking. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, Stuart's done some stuff, for us, really cool stuff. Yeah, a couple of video videos for us as well. Um, so talented, yeah. and it, I'm glad that he he calls it envisage because I fucking brutal every time envisage. It's like I'm, it's like I'm envisage. Well, that's, know, the, like, that's the connect. That's the um the the French, coming through for you. Yeah, maybe it is. Some, God knows. <laughs> a lot of people do it. Envisage. A lot of people. Hey, Kat, at least at least um you didn't ask me. I was asked by a um. When I was registering the company in the US, I was asked by, by the guy that was doing it if there was a, an English translation of the word invisible. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I, I, yeah, I said to him, yeah, it's um, exactly what's in front of you. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, uh, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. What, what, how, many do you, how many do you take a day, Stuart? You grab one before you train? What's the, like, uh, Kevin, why don't you and Stuart get into the benefits? Like, uh, what's what's the benefits for you, Stuart? Obviously, you're drinking one right now, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I've got one right now here. Yeah. I take of, of the of the coffee. I've got the one sachet, but if I'm going to work out, I put two of those bad boys in there, and it gives me a good little kick in the morning. But um, I find it's it's got really good ingredients in. It's got like um, I'm not sure how you say it, beta alanine gives you mm, yeah, yeah yeah like MCT powder. I mean, it it really is. I'm not just saying it. It's I, I really like this coffee, you know, and it's it's perfect for before you go for a run, before you roll jujitsu. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's funny because it doesn't like beta alanine typically gives you the tingles. Yeah, for me, right? But it doesn't. It's too tingly. This one. It's just like just the perfect amount. Yeah. First time. I think it depends on your. Sorry, Conchi. What'd you say? The first time I actually tried uh, beta alanine, I didn't really know what it was, and I think I took like two tablespoons of it. <laughs> 2011, I remember. I never touched it again for years. <laughs> wow! Yeah. How did yeah. kidneys feel then? Uh, not too bad. I just got bright red and tingly all over. I didn't know what was wrong with me. You know, I actually thought, <laughs> oh, "Right, what are the different?" Oh, this. I took like two tablespoons of this. You know, this new white powder. Wow. <laughs> That's funny because when we were when I was testing the the coffee, I made a cup up. I had some, and uh, I just felt my face just just going all weird, you know. And and nobody else was saying anything, and I thought, oh, something's not right. <laughs> I just didn't say anything. I just sat in the corner, like. And then eventually, the the guy that helped me manufacture it said, "Are you are you all right?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm just feeling a bit." He said, "Oh yeah, that's beta alanine." And I was like, "Oh God, thank God for that." Perfect. Add more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great product. It really is. And it's, is it something that you've, uh, 
You're just obviously starting to market here in Canada and North America. Is that the eventual big goal for uh, the product and not just coffee, but the whole company and management side of it as well? Yeah. So, well, it's interesting because for me, the, the main focus is obviously there's two main focuses. It's the brand as a whole and also the athlete side of it. And I don't want to neglect either um, because it ha we have to have that figure eight loop, you know, um, so for me, the you know we're 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 putting money into the athletes um, for them to have an easier, if you want to call it, an easier life. But um, so they don't have to worry less because the stress load's massive, and I know a lot of your listeners will know that already. Um, and so we're trying to remove as much as that as possible. Makes sense. So, yes, we we fully intend on coming across to Canada, uh, the rest of North America, Mexico. Um, and I know that my uh, my chief legal officer, Luciano, is listening as well at the moment. He's down in Argentina. Nice. Um, and we've just been we've been doing little bits and bobs. I don't want to say too much because, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something coming up in the next two two weeks, um, which is sort of going to open the floodgates on the whole on the whole brand. So Excellent. stay tuned for that one. I will definitely... Uh, be happy to return and talk to you again about that um, in the future. But yeah, that, that's the that's the intent to get it out. There. And you know, the, the reason we came up with the product was initially we wanted to make a, a sleep elixir because okay. we know a lot of people have trouble sleeping, um, especially the athletes. But it was almost impossible to find a dose that would help everyone sleep. Mm. So. Uh, the guy that helped me manufacture. Sorry, quick, sorry. A sleep, uh, say a sleep elixir. A sleep elixir, yeah. So, um, you know, something with a lot of chamomile in, or something like that. But yeah. it just it, we couldn't do it because it would have to be a massive amount to actually. I don't want to say this in the wrong way because it sounds really bad, but put you to sleep. Yeah. Um, you know. So we sort of flipped on our head and said, "Why don't we do something that's going to boost people, wake people up?" Um, and this is what we came up with. And, yeah, mate, I, I couldn't be happier. Um, and I'm really looking forward to a lot of people trying it. And, and we went for the coffee because I noticed everyone around me was drinking coffee that was mm. athletes. I thought, why taste their coffee? Why taste their change their um, – why change their taste buds? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah, that's the thing. Everybody kind of tries to reinvent the wheel with a fruity drink or yeah. whatever and all these stupid-ass flavors. But really, and yeah. most of them are gross. They, yeah. they oh, really are sure. most of them yeah. gross. Yeah. And of course, there's going to be people that don't like our product. That's just a given, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, we have really good ingredients in. There's no like artificial sweeteners in there. There's no, no. no. Like, it's all totally natural. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah. nothing that will give you any negative side effect whatsoever. And it's not so, too yeah. These pre workouts, they are they're full of like sucralose, aspartame, and they're like loaded mm. with amounts of caffeine so afterwards you just crash and you feel awful but this is like just just perfect this is the other thing so athletes should know what this is here this is the informed sport approval um now what that is is a banned substance testing program that was actually back in march the ufc announced that if an athlete tested positive for a banned substance which was uh, you know, using a product which was um, informs what approved that they wouldn't be banned. They would receive a suspension because the traceability of the product is so easy. 
whereas a lot of other companies yeah. do their their tests would be once or twice a year this is tested every single batch before i'm allowed to put it out in the market so if there's anything in it it's not even going to be released so the possibility of contamination are near zero and that's why they they sort of shoulder the liability if you like and say we say that is what it is yeah that's huge though yeah that's absolutely really massive. <clears throat> you know yeah, the, massive. i gotta i don't i don't want to cut you off here boys but we got just a couple minutes left i don't know again i don't know if you're interested in sticking around for frank or not but uh you probably got to get going it's uh what are you guys what are you guys interested or or are you, on, are you on your waist I don't want to. I don't want to cramp front trick style, you know. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay. Cool. Yeah, that, me neither. Actually. I'm just, just pushing in. Hi, Frank. Yeah. So once you come on, I'll do a little intro and we'll get going. But uh, you know, any final, you know, Stuart, we didn't get a, a ton to talk about you here too much uh, and get updated on your uh, career. Obviously, you're back to training. I've been seeing everybody uh, kind of training together here with Quan and, and uh, Dick and, and everybody out there. That's good to see, man. Uh, making your name out there. Dejan the other day, I saw he was on your podcast the other day. Yeah, great guy. Matt Kwan. Yeah, tomorrow I'll be going up uh, training with Ben Dyson. He's someone you should have on your show, actually. Another Englishman. Um, mm -hmm. Qualified for ADCC a couple of years ago. He's yeah. based in Vancouver. He's a monster. Is he, is, is, is he with you? Uh, he's at another gym. He's the head okay. of a different gym, but he's, you know, a really good guy and, like, you know, very talented grappler. Cool. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Love to have him on for sure. And I'm sure Kevin loved to talk to him too. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, maybe those Englishmen, yeah. you guys like to stay tight and, and I don't want to, so yeah, it's you guys, uh, there's actually, um, so we were talking about, I was talking to Stuart, we're, we're going to try to bang off a grappling event in October. Uh, mm -hmm. Kevin and I were speaking about it too. So hopefully we can pull that off out yeah. here. Uh, yeah, you know. like right away. I feel like I'm in shape now, ready to go, but there's just nothing. I was aiming for 2020 to be a very competitive year. Yeah. I got off to an okay start, then I lost my last match, but I was like, right. Then I got fired up to go even more, but then this pandemic happened. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking to compete. Somewhere. Goddamn COVID. But then there's the ADCC trials, Poland, October 3rd. So I'm aiming for that, but who knows if that's even going to happen? Yeah. It's Is it third? I thought it was fifth. That might be something else. I thought it was the 3rd of October. No, you're probably right, Shu. You're probably right. Yeah. There's something else that was on the... I can't remember what it is now, but... Something we have to accept this 14-day quarantine, unfortunately, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, no, it totally will, man. Well, that's yeah. awesome, boys. Well, I got to thank you so much for joining us here tonight, episode 100. Hey, pleasure. Uh, super honored to have you on, and uh, great to catch up with both of you. Uh, you're big supporters of our brand, and uh, we're big supporters of you guys back, so... Thank I'd like to so thank you again for joining us. Lots of love to you guys. And uh, any final words for both of you? Um, no, just uh, the new DS Combat Sports Gym is going to be opening middle of September. So nice. make sure you come check it out. Okay, awesome. Get a hold of Stuart. <laughs> guys, Canada is coming. There you go. I love it. There you go. <laughs> Mic drop. Awesome, boys. Thanks so much again for joining us. There you have it, folks. Kev Johnson from Team Envisage Sport and uh, Mr. Stuart Cooper, the legend himself. See you, guys. Awesome. Great to have those two on with us. Uh, you know, fantastic guys, great ambassadors of martial arts. And, uh, yeah, 
fantastic supporters of our brand. Let's get into it with our second and final guest here of episode 100. Really excited to have uh, this guest. You know, not every day you can have a UFC Hall of Famer on your podcast and uh, representing up here in Nova Scotia. Anybody who's a fan of martial arts, obviously, is a fan of Mr. Frank Trigg. Um, again, you know, he's 21 and 9 as a pro. He's a commentator. He's, he's been involved in many, many things. He's uh, involved in acting now, uh, kind of behind the scenes. He's also a ref and a judge and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, he's probably done these interviews about a goddamn million times talking about the same kind of shit. But uh, we're going to bring him on and uh, see what he has to say and uh, go from there. Let's bring him on. Without further ado, Mr. Frank Trigg. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Great, man. How are you? How are you? How's things? Good, good. good. Normal. I mean, normal for now. New normal, yeah, I guess. Yeah. New normal. So. I hear you. You're in California, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, LA. So we're, we're, on, we're on complete lockdown. The only place that's worse right now is Hawaii. Jeez. Yeah, as far as the U.S. is concerned, um, we're just not smart people. Yeah, no one wants to listen. What do you got New Zealand saying Americans can't come over? You know, like New Zealand, they're telling us we can't come over. Your whole industry is built on tourism, and you're saying we can't come over? Yeah, yeah, that is. I I guess it is, man. So, like, I'm a mask wearer. I don't complain about wearing the mask because whether whether it works or not doesn't matter. Right now, they're telling us we have to wear it. If I want to go back to work, uh, whenever filming starts back up again, I'm going to have to get a COVID test, so I can't even get COVID. Yeah, am I going to die from it? No, I'm not. I'm going to survive it. I'm going to get through it. It's going to suck yep. for a couple, three, four days, and I'm going to be okay. But the reality of it is, if I have it and I get called for a job, I can't work. And if I don't, and I haven't worked since March 12th. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, it's not that hard, man, because now, now I need you to wear a mask in case you have it. Yes, it's, you'll survive it. Yes, it's just the flu. Yes, I get all that. But if you give it to me, then I can't work, and I screwed up my life. put on a mask man it's not that hard i couldn't agree with you more like up here in Canada, i will say you know we're up in little nova scotia like i don't know if you were ever up here to qualify or like yeah i I was um i'm from rochester new york oh shit yeah that's right from east coast to east coast of canada i spent more time the east coast of canada than i did on the west coast oh nice so i would go to canada every summer like like people talk about oh you're in new york like you know how do you like new york city i've lived in new york city three times in my entire life (laughs) i've been in toronto I can't even count how many times. Yeah. Like, I still have friends in Toronto. Like, I go nice. to Toronto all the time. And Nova Scotia is one of the spots. And I, I really fell in love with um, Oak Island. So oh, cool. I, was, I was really into it when I was a kid, trying to figure out the mystery, what power to actually buried it there, and, you know, why things we still can't figure it out. And I got a reality show. Yeah. Trying to dig into it, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, but I went up there quite a bit to Nova Scotia just because that's it's in that area. So oh, I wow. really a little bit. I'm not going to tell you. Like I'm an expert in all the streets. Oh, no. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. It's definitely small town life. It really is, man. It really is. And like, we have no cases right now, but I still, I, I was driving down the road today. I saw a guy with him and his wife and they both had gloves on and a mask driving the car, like just minding their own business. And I'm like, good good for you. Like whatever. Do your thing. We make fun of people that are in their car by themselves with a mask on. Totally. You do, you do understand that we're not sure if the car filter stops it. And no. This is every car that pulls the air in from the outside and runs it through your vents. And you know, it's hot in the valley here in LA. And I'm down by the water, so for me, it's it's well Fahrenheit, but it's it's uh, 73 right now. And like, but I'm in the valley, it's like 102. Oh, so everyone's got the air conditioning on. You're like, you don't know if, it, if that filter stops it or not. So like, yeah, wearing it in your car kind of makes sense. You're running yeah. air conditioning, you know. But yeah, but still, I make fun of them too. Like, oh look, you got your mask on, you little funny fool. Look at you. Yeah. It's interesting though, because I always kind of thought that driving, like especially like you say, you're in LA, 
like all these people that you're driving in this crazy amount of traffic and everybody's blowing their shit and it's going right through your like yeah let's let's turn this well, ac on and suck it in <laughs> i will say this i love covid for the fact that there is no traffic so when i have to go to nice. like i road bike a lot so when i have to ride up to pasadena and hang out with my group that we road bike with they all they're all based up there so like i'm the only one that's on the west side so i have to drive all the way up to there it's 45 minutes oh, if there's traffic i'm not going like it's just like i'm not making it say guys like it's just no way it's like yeah. it used to be it won't start until like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock after traffic is over so it's not as bad for me to get there but now it's like yeah, it's a breeze it's 40 minutes every single time 40 minutes each way it's not that big of a deal it's super easy when, but when everything opens up again back to an hour and a half two hours you're like yeah, I'll see you guys on the weekend. You're gonna stick it out though. I, I see I you know, obviously people to point like, no, oh, Joe Rogan's leaving California. You know, man, I I guess that's his well, choice. Yeah, but it's easy, like it's I mean we could pack up we could pack up the apartment today and move back to Hawaii and be be in Hawaii in, in a week. Like yeah. not a problem. It's not that hard to move if you have the ability to be able to move. My wife can transfer her job back to Hawaii. Yeah. I'm an actor stunt guy, so it's just whatever the job is, yeah. where I work and Magnum PI starts filming September sixth out there. So Nice. Six, 12, three or 12. So, you know, it's, it, there will be some work, you know, not a lot of work, but there'll be some work. And I can yeah. fly back to the mainland and, and do work here. I mean, it's not that hard to move, but you got to remember Joe Rogan's rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super so, fucking rich. So for him yeah. to go, I'm moving to Austin and I'm building this new studio and I'm doing all these things. Yeah. You just signed a hundred million dollar contract with Spotify. Yeah. You can go build a new, you can go get a new house. People, when you have that kind of money, he's got, he's got what we call FU money. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what his money does. Now he makes so much money. It doesn't matter what he does with his money. Like he can't spend it all. He's at he's at that level now. He can't spend <laughs> all with no money. So for him moving to Texas, like who cares? Yeah, of course he did. Yeah. You know yeah. other actors that I know that like like high level actors that have been around forever have all moved to Texas or moved to Florida or both like you know Kevin James fled California years ago. Years ago moved to Florida. Is it tax related? Is yeah, it just because of bullshit? Is that the whole situation is really bad? Like and it's not like oh it's only bad in L.A. It's only bad in Venice Beach. It's only bad in Santa Monica. It's only bad, you know, in the beach cities. Homeless in California is bad everywhere, but it's extremely bad in Southern California because of the weather. You don't get the overnight freeze. Like if you go to Northern California, like if you're homeless in San Francisco, in the winter you're gonna freeze to death. If you're homeless up in Sacramento and in Northern California, you're gonna freeze to death. Like you're you're towards Canada. Like you know, you're bad Vancouver. Yeah, like you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna freeze to death, right? Yeah, yeah. Out here it doesn't get that cold. Like you may hit the forties. They're gonna freeze to death. If you got a yeah. if you got a shirt, got a cover, got some ratty blanket, you're gonna make it through the night. You know, so homeless down here is really bad. It's a really bad problem. And and then taxes, like I figured, I kind of figured out by putting a couple different things together that if let's just say they started some program and there is no more homelessness, it starts tomorrow. No more homelessness, right? It's just all the homeless are gone. Yeah. Our taxes would drop by five percent. Wow. Five percent because. Half the stuff we're having to spend on extra police, extra fire, extra EMT, because we have this homeless problem, yeah. right? Then you have to have extra because we had a we had a typhoid outbreak last year in downtown LA. We had, we had typhoid. Holy shit! Cats we're buying the homeless. The homeless were buying the cops. The cops were getting typhoid. Wow! That's all passes, right? So we, we, those cops are not laid up. They can't work. They got to have other cops cover the spots. So you have to have an extra overflow of police officers to handle to handle this mess. Then you add in the people having to clean their, their, you know, the city having to clean the sidewalks, having to take shovels and hazmat suits to clean up Skid Row. All that costs money. Like, how's it, where does that come from? Well, it comes from our tax base. Yeah. You know, you want to you move the homeless someplace else, you have these government-funded homeless shelters, these government-funded 
food shelters, like these, that goes into our tax base. Like all this has to get paid from something comes into our taxes. So we have a high tax rate here. And it's really hard to survive here. Like there is not a property. I'm trying to think. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know of a property within 50 square miles of me, 25 square miles of me. It's under under a million dollars. Jesus. Under a million. Not one property. Under a million. We're talking like apartments, condos, townhomes, million dollars. So what job are you doing? Yeah. We can spend a million dollars in your home. Yeah. But what, what job is that? That'd be a good one. So think about it. You know, think about it. Say you put 20% down on a million dollar home. That's $200,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who's got, got $200,000 in a bank account to put down on a, on a house? Yeah. That's very true. Oh, well, then, then I'll say interest rate dollars. Now you're looking at $8,000 a month payment for your house. You're like, Jesus, so it's like California's bad. It's gonna. It was gonna happen. Is it, it happened under Schwarzenegger when he was our governor? Um, he came in with the idea of trying to fix it. Once he got in, he realized that politics and politics, and it's a different entity. It's not like running a business. Like this is yeah. the issue. And he got rid of part of our deficit, but not a lot of it. Now, if you look at his record, the deficit did increase. But so did cost of living. So did the interest rates. So did inflation. Okay. So like he got rid of part of it, but because all these other factors came into it, we're still in debt. The yeah. is <laughs> broke. That's, that's the reality. It's just, it's just, there's just not enough, there's not enough money coming into what we got going on. And now with half the industry shut down, there's no, there's not getting any, any money from filming. So all the productions that normally film are not filming right now. So there's no taxes coming in from that base. There's no, there's you know, uh, uh, people aren't paying their, aren't paying their mortgage payments. So not getting property tax. Yeah. You know, you might get it back later, but right now you're not getting it. And we need the money right now. So it's just that's the nature of it. You know, it's like the entertainment state. Especially, like, especially when you're talking about like from Central Coast down to San Diego, because you, cause you can make it look like it's raining. You can make it look like it's it's uh, a dry desert. You can make it look like I've shot scenes for NCSLA, and I've been in the middle of Egypt and literally had people like, "Wow, that was that was a great part of Egypt." You know, because I take photos and post once the episode. Like, where in Egypt were you when you're filming this, or where were you in in Libya? And where were you shooting? Like, dude, we were at Disney Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, ranch. we're like we're in the we're up the street like it wasn't that it was just what it looks like it's just, you make it look that way yeah. and then if you have to have snow you know big bear it's everyone skis right up in big bear so that's all your snow scenes i went and shot um actually we're in march in march the last job i had was on seal team oh wow uh, we shot an episode that hasn't aired yet because they couldn't finish it it got closed down it had a had like five days left to film it got closed down and we were up in the snow we we're doing a snow scene where we're, we're, we're terrorists running through and then and then uh, the SEAL team, uh, Bravo team, comes through and takes us out as we're running. As we're running through, we're chasing the lead, and, and it was like this whole scene it was great. It was a great scene, and but we're up there instead of snow. So it's not like Southern California. Yeah, you know, it is entertainment because this is how people survive. And then you get a little bit goes up to San Francisco. A lot of a lot of iconic scenes are shot up there. They're shooting. Uh, um, they were shooting um, the new Matrix. Gary uh, uh, oh, Moss and Keanu Reeves were doing some wire work between between um, nice. buildings up there and, and set before they close everything down. And like I said, do shoot some scenes up there. And, and so, but yeah, but California as a whole, mainly Southern California, but California yeah. as a whole is the entertainment industry. And it's like, you know, and the reason why it is because the weather. Like, that's the reality. It's the weather. You know, it's nice. It's, it's right Beautiful. now. Blue skies and the sun's shining. And you can you might not be able to hear it. It sounds like bells in the background, but it's that shroud that's a uh, um, – Halyards hitting against the mast on on sailboats or sitting outside. Oh, wow. so it's like wow. it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. So whatever scene you need to get in your director's mind, your producer's mind, yeah. we have it within within twenty miles. Yeah. It's all right here, you know. And then yeah. you know, add in Palm Springs and Palm Desert, and you know, add in San Diego, and add in you know, add in uh, uh, like Seal Beach and all that stuff. Like almost like it's dreamland, really. It makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. 
everything costs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's funny, even growing up in Can like again, up in here in little tiny Nova Scotia, like growing up you watch american tv for the most part right so the whole idea you're like oh when you you, you go you're like i want to go to california or whatever right but fuck you have no idea like go there and, and buy a 15 dollar beer and see how long you want to live there Dude, <laughs> like, no. like I'm, I'm a martini scotch bourbon guy like, that's what i like my wife likes likes high alcohol beers so maybe we have to go to crap beer places right yeah yeah, yeah. You know, martini's like 15 bucks now like, like I remember my teas were seven dollars. Jesus Christ! Like, what, what, are, what are we doing here? What is happening? Why is this alcohol more expensive than that alcohol? Yeah. So this is the one thing that COVID taught us. You don't know how much money I am saving by being at home. People like, oh yeah, because you're not going out, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. I'm drinking more, I'm <laughs> drinking more, and I'm spending way less. Why yeah. is it? And I'm realizing it's like, oh yeah, it's like, and, and I'm lucky. I'm, I'm extremely lucky. I have, I have two really, really good friends. What is a super high level chef? Nice. Oh, a bunch of restaurants has won all the chef competitions on TV. Oh, wow. His partner is a, is a buddy of mine that I knew years and years ago, lost contact with, but he's his mixologist. He's a real mixologist. You walk in, you tell him what you normally drink, kind of what your flavor is. Like, I want something sweet, I want something dry, I'm really thirsty, like, whatever it is. He makes you the perfect drink. And you're like, you even know what the hell's in it. Like, you have no idea what he did. Yeah, beautiful. So I call him, like, hey, can you tell me how to make this particular drink? Because it's what you made it. Like, I see the recipe online. But I feel like it's not right. He's like, oh, yeah, change this out. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, change that out. It's like, I do. You change, you swap this one ingredient for this other ingredient. That's what it, that's what it is. I'm like, all right. And I call him, like, hey, I'm going to start cooking uh, um, like these, these eggplants. I want to start cooking these squash. And I got this real nice this cut of beef I want to do. What should I do with it? He's like, oh, just, you know, the chef is like, oh, just do this, this, and this. I'm like, salt, pepper, and olive oil? Like, yeah, that's it. I was I was spending fifty five dollars at your restaurant for this piece of steak. And that's yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's yeah, man. So true. Yeah, yeah, man. That's what it is. I'm like, all right, I guess so. Like, okay, yeah. I guess you know, I won't be going back. Yeah, you know, but now, but they're also too. But that's the, that's the caveat. These are my friends. Yeah. So this Sunday, there's a bunch of us. We're all hanging out. We're all going to meet up there at the restaurant. We're all going to support. Awesome. Because this is my buddy, I want to keep his business open. So I, I, can, I can't, I can't give him enough money to pay his salaries to all his employees every month. Mm-hmm. I can do my part and go up there a couple times a month. So am I going to, am I going to, to big chains anymore? Absolutely not. I'm going to little small mom pop places that I know, I know the bartender personally. I know the waiter that's working that night yeah. personally. I'm yeah. going to help them out. That's what, that's when we go out. That's what we do. And you know, here, it's only outdoor seating. I, right. I don't even hear about this. So, so <laughs> this is awesome. So they shut down all the restaurants, shut down all the all the bars, and everyone's like, "Well, how can I go to a restaurant? But I can't go to a bar." Well, because you can't socially distance people at a bar, yeah, right. You have to take out so many tables, you take out so many spaces, and these people have standing room would only be able to stay if you keep them six feet apart. You can't do it. But if they're at a table, we are feeding them food, then they're not going to be on top of somebody else. It's going to yeah. be spread out a little bit. So that, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So they said, "Okay, no more indoor seating." So a lot of these places are like. In, in like little strip mall places, you're like, there's no place to have outdoor seating. Like my, I had the sidewalk and I had the street. In Santa Monica, they went and blocked off half the street. Oh wow! So they pushed everything in, and now it's super narrow. And it's like they dropped the speed limit by ten miles an hour, and they put barriers out. Those 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 F's. I don't know what they're called, but they're like the ones that like they're angled at the bottom. And oh they yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Up, they yeah. put those all along the street. And people now have outdoor seating. And you have to apply for your license, and you have to, it's part of a licensing sequence, but now you have outdoor seating. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, when this, when this is all over, that outdoor seating is still going to be there. So they went from like losing 18 seats because only having so many seats outside to all of a sudden gaining 23 seats by the time it's over. 
which from a, from a business standpoint means I have 23 more seats that I can flip over throughout the day. This is give me more clientele, more people going to be sitting and wanting to eat, more people going to be mm-hmm. out there spending food. They've actually, this thing is actually going to help the restaurants awesome. and the bars at the end, well, the bars that for, serve food at the end because they have an outdoor seating as well. And they're like, we're going to keep it regulated. If, if you guys show us that this works, we'll let you have it when it's, when it goes through. It's beautiful. You know, it's like it's like that is awesome. That's so great. smart. Like, well, that's a lot of different places. There's a lot of different places of doing it. You like I'm Glendale and Burbank are the same things. You know, Santa I'm by there, so I see it quite a bit. You know? Would they not like? Because it's kind of like the same here, Frank. Like now, like some of the restaurants that like craft beer, like in California, craft beer is huge here. They couldn't buy it at a restaurant and take craft it out with beer them in Canada. That's so weird. Oh no, it's massive. Like yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. drinkers. And pot too. What a shock, eh? I know, right? Well, you you got to give it to him on that one. He made it legal. Like I don't know why we haven't done it down here. Yeah. Just making federally legal. Like I'm, in, I'm, um, um, we'll talk about it more later. But I'm, I'm in federal drug testing right now. So no CBD, no THC. Obviously, none of the other drugs. No heroin. No, they're testing yeah. for all that stuff. Like none of that stuff. None of it. And okay. it's like you can't have CBD. He's like no, because it's a federal test. So they don't, they don't make the differential between CBD and THC. They don't have the separation. It's marijuana is in your system. That's all. Oh, okay. It's federal yeah. test. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah. I guess if that's what you want, that's what I'll give you, right? Yeah. But it's yeah, it's fuck. Like uh, anyway, going back to that, they changed the laws here, so now you can take when you go to dinner or whatever, you can buy beer and take it out with you if you want to buy two or three beer or whatever. And it has to be closed, right? It's you, you bus closed. Like yeah, you can't, you can't walk out with open beer. No, exactly. Okay, but what about wine? Like I like I like I buy a bottle of wine, but I only had three glasses, one more glass left in the bottom. Can can they recork it for me? I can walk out with it, or do I have to finish that bottle? That's a great question. I'm not they sure. Here. They'll recork here. And they have places, a lot of the places, like you bring your own wine. It's a fifteen dollar fee for us to open that bottle of wine. But then you if the, if you haven't finished it, you, we put the cork back in for it and you walk out of it with it. Which is great because some a lot of people like to go and have a nice meal, but they want to bring their own wine and they don't want to pay your stupid. Well, it's not, not only that, but also, so California's got a lot of wineries. We have a lot mm-hmm. of wineries here, and there's some wineries that you can't get their wine anywhere else but at that winery. They don't distribute it to anybody else. So there'll be some people. Be, we've been at tables because we we're my wife's kind of a wine, so she takes it. We go to wine places all the time. Yes, yeah, yeah. do, and she's like. You know, we'll be at dinner, but hey, look, I've never seen that bottle before. What is what is that? And like and all of a sudden that person next to us will get fully in a full conversation with it. And all of a sudden we're like, okay, next time we're up in Napa, or next time we're in Temeclia, next time we're over here, we'll go check out this winery and see what it's about. We go down and we find some great wines that nobody has ever heard of. They've wow. never been anywhere but at that winery. I'm like, so we go, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know we're going to this particular restaurant. I'm gonna have the red trout, I'm gonna have the Brussels sprouts, I want this this red to come with me. This is the red I'm gonna have. I know, I know that's the red I'm gonna drink. And I bring it in, and like, and anything else on the menu just doesn't compare. And it's also go back to your original. It's forty five dollars. Yeah, a dollar bottle of wine. You know, it's one hundred ten dollars for a fifty dollar bottle of wine. It's like, okay, I'm not. It's interesting though, because like, fuck, I don't know. You know, to me, like that makes that that's gonna make you go back to like just like you just said. I can go there. I'm gonna have that red trout. I know that that's what I like, and I can bring my bottle of wine. You're gonna be more comfortable. You're gonna tell more people. It's a great. It's a better experience. And we usually start with them. It's just, it's just one place that, that the Red Trout's at um, called Hillstone. And they don't have any outdoor seating. We keep oh. calling them. And they have a sidewalk. And they have the space to do it. I'm like, why do you guys not have outdoor yeah, yeah. takeout already? So the chefs are there. And somebody's there to take handle the orders. Just bring in bring in uh, uh, a bartender and a waiter. And have one waiter and one bartender. And they can run all the tables on the outside. Yeah. 
And they're like, yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to do it because we think, mm. they believe this is going to be overshoot. Mm. And they're like, it's going to be over quickly enough. We'll be, we'll be back to full board here pretty quick. I'm like, okay, all right, I get your, I get your understand. I understand what you're trying to do, but we go there to have a martini, to eat the particular food sets that we want, and to drink a bottle of wine, and then we can't, yeah. can't do it. So, yeah, you know, like trying to make hamburgers, trying to make hamburgers, and and I'm trying to, and Jill is in the back trying to figure out whether we're going to drink a, a beer or she's going to drink. I'm looking at my phone and she should text me. Yeah, yeah. He actually texted me from the other room. This was, this was <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong and, with that. And I'm like, are we gonna have uh, 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 martinis? Are we gonna have beer tonight? We're trying to figure out like, what is that gonna be for our dinner? And it might be we might not have anything. We just might might not make a decision. It's not drink at all. But it's just like you gotta like now plan your stuff out, plan your days yeah. out, really wrapped around your meal. Like, what are you gonna do for dinner? What are you gonna do with it? How's it gonna work? You know? Yeah, it's a wine is kind of like that. Well, I guess you're a bourbon and and. Uh, you say bur what bourbon scotch, bourbon bourbon scotch. scotch kind of guy. So it'd be the same for you, I guess. You know, there's different bottles that you're going to look for. Oh, yeah. What yeah. what's the area like out there for bourbon and scotch? So we have it's all important. We have to bring it in from other states, bring it in from other countries. Our scotch obviously comes in from Scotland, like everybody yeah. else. You know, yeah. Bourbons all you know either come from uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, depending. Well, Kentucky for the bourbon and, and your mash and your and your whiskey goes up from Tennessee. It just depends on, on what what we're doing. You know, for me though, you know, I've got. I got 25 years scotch in there. Uh, McCown 25. I got a Glenfiddich 15. I got. We have a, bu I have a bunch in there. Bullet Bullet Bourbon is my normal my normal everyday yeah. like bourbon. Like I'm having a, I'm just having a drink, but if I got special friends over, so, so here's here's what happened. My brother is a diplomat and he's stationed overseas. Oh wow! And so when he was overseas, they because they they're they're isolated. It, it sounds great, but you're kind of isolated because you're around you're in a foreign country. Well, yeah, he speaks the language. His kids are learning the language. His wife mm -hmm. might, might understand the language a little bit, but yeah. it's still like a, kind of a struggle. She hang out with all the other Americans or the other English-speaking cultures. Might be the Canadians, the Aussies, the uh, New Zealanders, depending on who's over there as well, whatever area you're in. Yeah. Right now he's stationed in Indonesia, but before that he was stationed over in um, in uh, uh, Sarajevo, oh, wow. and he's just like, you know, he's got like resting barrels now. So you know what a resting barrel is? Yeah, for the, for the actual product, right? So he's got so he has like resting barrels. And he'll go get like okay, so I have like this twenty-five year old scotch. I'm gonna rest it in this in this maple barrel. I'm wow. like, what? He's like, oh, he's on a whole new level. And because of that, I started getting into some different like off-brand stuff. It's kind of weird, like little like like kind of like the wines, like stuff you never even thought about. Or yeah, stuff you haven't seen, but I keep it kind of hidden and keep it tucked in the back. So when people come over randomly, they don't just, they don't just get oh, I, I see your Arbor Ten in the front. Yeah, I look at my my McCallum twenty-five in the back. You know what I'm saying? Because like because you know the older it gets. It gets super expensive, man. I had, I have a, a um, my god uh, my godson's father gifted me the twenty five. Wow! And it's a twenty two hundred dollar bottle of alcohol. You're like, to try and buy that in a bar? Try, you know, you're looking yeah. at you're at three to four hundred dollars a pour. Holy you know, shit! It's just ridiculous, you know. Wow. But you know, but it, you, you get your taste, you get your flavors for it, you kind of hide that stuff around, and you kind of keep it out, and it's been yeah. on special occasions. But you know, I mean, there's still like my wife drinks Stella. As her daily drink, yeah. she drinks milk. Like yeah. that's four and a half percent alcohol. She's drinking water. She says, "Yeah, I'm thirsty. That's what I'm drinking. I'm thirsty." <laughs> Don't make fun of me. That's what I drink. Yeah, still. <laughs> I, have a, I have a buddy of mine. Uh, uh, I used to make fun of him all the time because he would he would order um, like a vodka soda or a vodka rocks or something with a lime. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Paul, and he would then order like a Coors Light. And I'm like, why the hell are you want to quote? And I made fun of him for months, like to the point I was getting on his nerves. I was making fun of him so much, like to the point it kind of put a little friction between our, our, uh -oh. our friendship. 
Because making fun of someone drinking in front of Coors Light. Because you don't get it, do you? No, I don't get it. Like, why are you drinking that shitty ass yeah, beer? Yeah, it's horrible. In my opinion, sorry for yeah, Coors Light's broke. It's yeah. disgusting. Bud Light, same but, way. Gross. He's like, because I'm thirsty. <laughs> I go, and I had to stop and think about it. And it took me like five minutes. Like, yeah, I've never seen you drink water. You don't drink water the whole time. Because no, I don't drink water. I, that's my water. I wow. pour it my water, and then I drink. And then this this drink, other drink, to drink. <laughs> oh man, like, yeah. I, I never thought about that. I never thought about doing that at all. Him sitting there with like a professional athlete and stuff, like to no shame. Well, he's, a, he's a professional stuntman. Stuntman. He's done some crazy. Ah, like, okay. So like, he's done some crazy stuff, like flip cars over, rolling down hills. You know, jump, jumping out of burning buildings. You know, forty feet up in the air, like. The dude is legit. He dude. is a legit stunt guy. Yeah, he was he was the double on uh, on Hawaii Five O for the lead for uh, Steve McGarrett's character. Uh, oh wow, Steve He was his double. Al Lachlan's the, the person, and Paul Lockerberry is the double. And Paul doubled him for six seasons, seventeen, you know, seven seasons of the ten. He is a legit stunt guy, and a, comes from driving, like a driver guy. And he does stuff with cars that, um, like, there's no way that car's gonna fit through that hole. It's not gonna make it. He makes that car not only flip through the hole, but does it going sideways, sliding. Oh shit! Eh? Like, <laughs> how, but like how? Just uh, it's interesting me. Like a stuntman. Like how? A. How did you get into it? And B. Like, do you have any of those? Like when you're doing, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Okay, so <laughs> like, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions in there. First, I was in. I was in Hawaii actually teaching a seminar, and a buddy of mine, T.J. Thompson, who used to run the Icon fights out in Hawaii. I fought for my fought Jason Miller. Yeah. So TJ's a buddy of mine. TJ's like, hey, I'm robbing a bank. I'm working on Hawaii Five-0. I'm robbing a bank. Why don't you come watch? I come out there, and this guy comes over while I'm on set, standing there, and starts talking to me about my fights, and he knows more about my fights than I do. And he's like, hey, do you want this is like a Tuesday? And I'm now on vacation. Like my seminars are just on vacation. He's like, hey, what are you doing on Friday? He goes, you want to come work on the show? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to be an extra on the show. It's going to be awesome. I love the show. I've been following it since, you know, I, I watched the old one with uh, Jack Lord, and now I'm, in, I'm deeply into this new one because Scotty Khan's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Who plays who plays Danny Dano on the yeah, show? Okay. So I, like, I, was, I was like, yes, I'm into this, like because I want to see this guy be great in jits and the whole bit, and then come to find out later, the lead uh, is is also a jitsu practitioner. So like, you find all this stuff out later. Like, but I was like, I definitely want to be on the show. So I show up, and it's not a it's not a little one liner like fill out your name, address, social security number. It's like a it's like a contract. I'm like, guys, I'm not I'm not in the union. I've, I've done some stuff already, but I didn't get my union card. Like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, no, yeah. I'm good. We got you worked out. You're good. I had to stumble down three, you know. So, what I said before is, I got, you know, I'm a, a stairfall was like my first scene. It was like my first time on set. <laughs> not true. It's not a stairfall. When I when I first did it, I thought that was what a stairfall was. It was not what a stairfall. A stairfall is you tumbling head over heel, smacking down the stairs, flailing Jesus. everywhere. That's a stairfall. I stumbled down some steps, smacking into a wall. A robber was running down the steps. He bumps into me, slams me into a wall, and takes off and gets around. That was it. That was my that was my whole. That's my whole scene. I get the check from that six hours of being on set. And I start doing the math. And I realize I can make more doing this than I can fighting. Because I just had my, at the time, I didn't realize it. But I just had my final fighting against Jimmy Wallhead. Oh, wow. like, I'm like, there's no reason for me to fight. There's no reason for me to fight anymore. Because I, I can make this way more if I put my passion and dedication into it. And then I went and and um, uh, Jill, Jill is very good about finances in the house right she's very good about where the numbers go she she's like and, and i remember i started this before we were together before you started dating and then it, as i progressed into the roughing as she was there at the very beginning 
but it wasn't like I started just before we before we got together. But basically, our entire relationship is me refing and stunting and acting. That's been our oh, entire relationship. Oh, wow. Interesting. She never knew me fighting. Like, she didn't meet me until after I was done fighting, wow. even though we met in a fight. Like, she, she never knew me as a fighter. So, I'll we'll talk about that later, too, because she didn't even know me. She didn't know who I was. I was yeah. like, you like fighting? I don't know who the hell I am. And that's yeah. So, <laughs> she goes through and looks at it. She goes, basically, it costs you $12,000 to become a stunt guy. So people call me like, "Hey, I want to be a stunt guy." Other fighters are calling me like, "Hey, I want to jump into stunts." Do you have twelve grand handy right now? Yeah, yeah. Or twelve grand that you can make in the next three months that you have that's expendable? And they're like, "What? What do you mean? Like, you know, I do this." And I'm like, you don't understand. You have to have a lot more skills than just fighting, just playing football, just playing baseball. You have to have more skills. So I had to go take a driving course. You know, I had to learn how to slide cars around corners. I had to learn how to use it. Like a fight course just because I knew how to fight for real. I don't know how to throw punches. On, on, a, on a camera. Like, I don't know how to make that work and how to break the line between the cameras, the camera and your nose. I don't know how to do all that. Like, I had to learn. Because I had to pay for that. You have to take privates with or, or a group class with these other guys and learn how to do fight sequences, like how to move. So you're, you're choreographing. You'll walk into this, like, fight training. Like, Arnold Chun is really good at it. He's a he's a, been a trainer. He trained um, a bunch of guys. Uh, Tyler Woodley was the, was the biggest name he trained. Okay, in yeah. But Arnold's amazing. He's amazing. It's funny. The guy, the Jeff Caliente, the guy that started me in, the Wi-Fi low stunt coordinator. Yep. Those two two fight seminars together all the time. Oh, beautiful! And Arnold, I started with Arnold because he's a, a guy I knew. He's a fighter. Jay Haran was like, "Hey, yeah, yeah." Hey, yeah. Jay does stunts. He's like, "Hey, go ahead and jump." You know, talk to this guy, and you go and you learn these things. You do a bunch of passes, and then throughout, throughout the entire class for that night, you learn how to choreograph into one big scene. And then all of a sudden, this scene gets shot, and then he has like a couple people around the edge with their, with their cell phones or little cameras. You know, nothing, nothing, not like real full camera stuff, but they yeah. film. You go, this is what you just did. And then you start looking at yourself like, oh, yeah, like like they saw too much in my face. Like, that's no good. So as a stunt guy, it's called getting burned. You've seen my face now on this episode of the show. You've seen me die on this show. Uh, I can't not work the rest of the season. Most of the times, two seasons, because I got killed already. So you always have to hide. It's always a side view. It's always a side thing. Well, I have a bad ear. So if you see this, then it's a, it's a problem. So I have to keep these things around. Oh, wow. So I have wings around to cover my ears up. So I'll come on set and they'll be like, hey, man, you know, there might be a problem. That I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my wig on. Like, what? Go, yeah, I have a wig on my stunt kit. Go, With all my pads, all my mouthpieces, all my hard pads, my soft pads, my back pads, my chest pad, my headgear, like everything I got. And there's two wigs as well. And I put the wigs on. Like, Let's work. Then hair comes over, gives me a little brush, puts a little hairspray right. in it. I go about my business. But they're able to hide the ears so that I can keep continuing to work. So it's like stuff like that. You know, that you have to do a lot yeah. of stuff. It costs a lot of money to get into that space. And you're forever having to take, may not have to take them out to eat, but you definitely got to go meet people. So with acting, I said this in my acting reel. This is what I've done in the past. This is what I would like to do. Can you see me doing this part that you that I've uh, auditioned for? If you see me being able to do that part, then we get to go, go do it, right? That's what, that's how you do an acting, yeah. right? Yeah. Like stunts, you've got to know me. You yeah. about to hit me with a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta know you. Like yeah. we gotta have meals together. We gotta have a drink together. Like I gotta trust you to hit me with a car. Like when I do car stuff, if I don't know the driver, I'm not doing it. Hundred percent. And if it, if I show up on set and a guy's about to hit me with a car and he's and and I haven't met him before, I'm like, hey man, just because I know you hit me with a car later today, do you mind if we hang out for like 45 minutes, an hour, just get to know each other real quick? I just want to you know, because it's just my way of doing things. We'll sit there, we'll find out what kind of coffee he likes, we'll find out what kind of 
uh, eggs he likes for his breakfast. She found all the stuff. She started talking about his kids, what his kids are doing, how he met his wife. I'm saying, okay, I got a relationship with you. Okay. So how fast are you going to be when you hit me with a car? What's going to happen when I'm in the windshield? What's going to happen when I'm on top of the roof? What's going to happen, you know? And so you have to ask him these questions. Like, okay. So you went back and you're like, and early you asked me, has there been somebody like, wow, what the hell am I doing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have been training fireburns, have been working on doing fireburns, but I've been like little arm stuff, like just like a little arm, ah, and they come and put it up, you know, a little, a little, a little leg thing. Hey, can you like, ah, and they come yeah. up. Yeah. Crazy. So I was doubling an actor on on Hawaii Five-0, Jeff Kenyatta, same guy. The way that it was written was I was going to do the fireburn, right? I show up day of, and the director's like, no, no, this other guy's going to do the fireburn. I'm like okay, it doesn't make any sense. He's not doubling the other guys, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But whatever, okay, whatever. So the whole day, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm mentally I've checked out. Fire, fire is dangerous. Fire is dangerous. Just yeah. understand this. Yeah. The things that some people do, and why there's not a category in the Oscars for stunt, at least for stunt coordinator, is asinine. Yeah. It makes no effing sense, especially when you have like guys like, you know, The Rock. And and uh, uh, Chris Helmsworth and and all the Avengers and Robert Downey Jr. all talking about like if it was not for the stunt guy, I would not be here today winning this award because the mm-hmm. stunt that made me look great in Avengers. Yeah. They That's made so me look true. Great Black Panther, and they just leave us out there. It makes no sense to me why yeah. these guys why there's a category. But I, also too, some stunt guys like we just like being in the background, and like everybody know what we're doing. So I've checked out. I've checked out. I'm not doing fire, so I've checked out. I'm screwing around. I'm having fun. I'm not. Whatever, all of a sudden, Jeff comes and goes, hey, the director messed up. You are doing the Firebird. Walk upstairs with Mark Chadwick and get dressed. I'm like, oh, shit. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> what am I doing? Now, mind you, I've been practicing elbow to wrist and, like, knee to, knee to ankle. That's all I've been doing, right? He's like, oh, it's a full Firebird. Oh, God. No head protection, right? And short sleeve shirt. What the hell? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Now, Mark Chadwick is one of the best fire guy burns guys there are there, there are out there. Him and T- Tommy Kramer, like, I would try, if they call me right now, like, I need you to do a fire burn tomorrow. Are you gonna be there? Yes, I'll walk you through it. I'm in. No problem. Don't, don't care. Don't even care what the fire burn is. Don't even care. I know you guys are gonna be there. I'm good. Yeah. I'm I trust you guys. Let's talk. Mark takes your stage. Like, look, put this on. Put this on. Put this on. Put it on in this order. This is how you do your stuff. Don't worry, you're gonna be fine. And it get me on to put the gel over my exposed skin, my face. Like if if you could see before, it was like like this thick of stuff on my body, like covering up my face. And I didn't have the beard because uh, uh, the guy was shaved, but had everything else was fully covered, neck, head up, was all covered. Yeah. And then I lit my full my shirt, my pants, everything is completely on fire. Oh, and I'm burned for what, eight nine seconds. They put me out. And that was it. But it took like an hour and a half, you know, to get prepped, to get ready, to get things put together, to get get going, and get down there and then shoot scene. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like I was not expecting it. I was not prepared for it. I didn't mentally put myself in that space. All of a sudden, like right now, go do it. Okay, gotta go do it. It's my job. It's what we do. Yeah, yeah. You're a pro. I guess that's the thing. Yeah, I guess in that from fighting. Do you think that was your? You know, obviously, fighting is without said. You you have to be mentally there. Do you think that helped you? From wrestling, like no, yeah, from wrestling. So like, I never, I never thought about like. Not making weight was not a was not a was not it wasn't even an option. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. Um, doing the right things to recover was was just what you had to do, no matter how. And so, like I said, I rode bike. 
and I rode by, I ride, I ride with a lot of guys that rode with, like Tony Cruz is probably one of the best. He's one, he's one of the top Americans that ever ride, right? Wow. Of course, of course, you got Armstrong and, yeah. and Lamond and some other guys obviously thrown in there, right? Uh, but uh, uh, George George Hencappy, some other guys, but definitely Tony Cruz is one of the better guys that come out of America, right? And we were we rode on Sunday together. And I talked to him on Sunday. I still remember the pro. I remember the ex-pro, ex-high-level pro. Yeah, I'm fat as hell. I can barely get up the hill. Like I'm falling apart. <laughs> we're only an hour into a six-hour ride. Like, I'm just, I'm Jesus, just dying. Man. And he's like, he's like, you knew you, this was going to be bad, right? When you when you showed up today, I go, yeah, I knew it was going to be bad. And you still came. Yeah, yeah. you go back in your car and left. You go back back down to the beach and rode flat. Like it would have been fine. But you knew before we took off we're doing hills. You didn't even think about quitting, did you? Well, no, I didn't think about it. It was because you love to suffer. This is what makes an athlete the best athletes, no matter what sport they're in. Doesn't matter if it's darts. Doesn't matter if it's if it's if it's uh, what's that crazy ass sport you guys love curling. Doesn't matter, <laughs> curling, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The top end love to suffer. And you start talking to these guys like, hey, remember when you first started? You like six years into the sport. You know, younger kid. You're still like, how many days did you forget to eat? Oh yeah, man. I I, I can't even tell you how many times I forgot to eat. Like, I've been just like, nope, I need to practice. I've got time yeah. for that. I gotta get changed or get my homework done so I have a lower grade. I'm not gonna be able to wrestle. Like, you all of a sudden, my dad would be like, Are you cutting weight? But no, 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 we don't have anything for a couple of weeks. Why? What's wrong? What's wrong? You didn't eat anything all day today. It's like nine o'clock at night. I haven't eaten. Not, not one thing. Had some water, had some juice, you know, kid kid stuff, you know. Yeah. But like, not what uh, uh, hose and ding dong and all that stuff was un- unavailable because they keep our body fat down. So that stuff was bad. So I never yeah. had it. It was just like, Oh, yeah, I forgot to eat. So dad is like, at Nine o'clock at night, have to make me dinner. I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. So, like, stuff like that happens all the time. I talk to a lot of my buddies who are ex-professional baseball players. They're like, if they don't, sometimes they have to tell us. You, you do realize you've been here since 2 o'clock. Yeah. You didn't start till 7. You've got to eat something. And you forget. Like, it's just like, I'm just trying to, dude, I'm, I'm the fourth outfielder. I'm yeah. run by a thread right now. I got to do is I got to batting practice. I got to show I can hit. Like so, batting practice becomes the game for them because you may not be able to get it. You gotta like, you gotta crack a ball out of. The, you gotta make sure that everybody knows that you can hit. And then when you when you're playing catch, you gotta make sure that you're doing the weird stuff and running around. Like you forget that you forget food, and that's just one thing. Everybody is like that. And people love to suffer. So from wrestling, I learned how I love to suffer. I love the hot box. I love having to cut weight. I love being dehydrated. I know, I know, I can go two days without food. Wow. The apocalypse hits. I know I'm gonna be okay for two days without food. I'll be angry. I'm pissed off. I'm gonna start weak, but I can survive. Yeah. I know for sure I go 24 hours no water. I know for sure I can make that happen. For sure, no problem. If we're if we're stranded, if my wife and I are out sailing, we're stranded, and there's only enough water for her, she's getting all the water. I know I can make it. I know this, so I'm not worried about suffering. Yeah. So all of a sudden, somebody goes, "Hey, look, I know the scene has changed. Um, you're now going to go run and shoot. You got to run and shoot, run and shoot, run and shoot. You got to turn. You got to run. You got to the car's going to be stopped, but you're going to flip over the flip over the hood of the car, but the and then you're going to land your feet. You're going to run, and another car's going to hit you. I'm like, I didn't rehearse any of that. I was I wasn't in that conversation. What happened? The director thinks your look is better for it. You got to do it. Okay, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. no question about it. It's like, this is my job. It's what I do. And really, it's not a job. Like, I don't want to think it's not a job. I've never had a real job ever in my life. Do I get paid for what, for my, for what my passions are? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I make a lot of money doing it. You know, I applied. I didn't get it, unfortunately. Um, COVID happened. And then it kind of pushed. But I think it went to somebody else. I haven't heard back. So I'm assuming I didn't get it. You know, I, I feel like they're wrapping up filming again. But I was going to play a gay father. I was going to be married to, married to this other man to see me play this gay, gay father. And it was a kissing scene, like a full on. And they, were, they weren't like, oh, no, it's not like the normal gay that you see on TV. It's like the, the little, little pack and it's like moved on or was assimilated or it looks like, like a full camera. On. They're like, no, they wanted a full on passionate like whole thing. And I was like, 
And my wife and I had to go down a rabbit hole. I'm like, look, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pull this off. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Make it. She's like, we'll make this thing work. And we kind of coached it and went through my acting coach. We're like, okay, we can make this thing work. And sold it. Sold it for the camera. Awesome. It made thing work. Like, wow, this is really good. But it's like, this is my passion and part of your passion. I don't care what your passion is. There's things about your passion you don't like. You know, when I was doing my, my podcast, I can't even tell you. I, I, well, I could. I just won't. <laughs> guys that that the 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 higher ups wanted me to interview and i'd be like that's gonna be the worst interview ever it's gonna be the strangest interview ever like let's just not do it let's, oh. just, let's just like no this is what the higher ups want they're paying your bills you guys okay i don't like to do it but i loved it it's my passion that i passed for at that time for podcasting so you, there's stuff about everybody's everybody's life that you don't like to do that you got to kind of work through but you're like okay you know making meatballs it's not always great to have your hands in the meat but eventually yeah. we get to eat the food. You're like, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It's okay. It's all right. Kind of worth it. That's <laughs> kind of what goes on. You know, it's like sometimes you're going to expect one thing and something else happens. You got to learn how to fly. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yes, I have. Yeah. So Chris Pratt's got the orb. He's going to, he's talking to Benicio Del Toro, right? He mm-hmm. drops the orb and he pops back up again. He's got the orb in his hand. Unscripted. He dropped it. He literally dropped the orb. He pulled out of the bag and he dropped it. But he's such a good actor. He picked it up. He's great in character. And kept oh, on, shit. on the other side of him. Give him an eye sign. Stayed in character. And that's the scene. That's that's yeah. what made the scene. It was it was it was an accident. It was completely unscripted. And stuff like that happens. You got to learn how to stay in that point. You got to stay in the, the whole time. So yeah, he might show up thinking, "Hey, I'm gonna do this thing. Hey, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna do this thing. And this is gonna be and this is gonna be great." You get up there, you're like everything got cut back. <laughs> got, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on humans. I was uh, Medusa on Inhumans, uh, uh, grabs me with her hair around my throat, picks me up in the air, shakes me in the air, spins me around and drops me. Well, of course, it's all, wi- it's all wire work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not breaking any rules by telling you it's all wire work. So I get yeah. my wire and I get spun up in the air and I get dropped to the ground on a wire. We show up, we, pra- we rehearsed it for three days. They paid me for three days worth of rehearsal. I can imagine, yeah. We show up, all gone. It's all gone. Now they want me to spin around the floor like a top and fall down. What? Like, what, what, yes, you just spin around and fall down. Like, this makes no sense whatsoever. I don't understand what you're doing. Like, this, thing, but that's what they wanted. And so, like, we go into one idea, and the whole idea changes. Same thing as a fight. You have an idea, you have a game plan, you have a game plan, then you get pushed in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess not. Like, oh, yeah. Anyone, <laughs> anyone ever get punched in the face on a set? I'm sure it's been close. I got kicked, I got kicked in the face. By Purdy Weeks, who plays Higgins on Magnum PI, a spinning back kick caught me with her. With she's wearing uh, heeled boots and caught me right in the face. And it was I. I knew I was going to get hit, so I knew to go with it because I knew I was about to get hit. So it wasn't like a surprise hit. She's supposed to swing and kick, but she was supposed to make contact. She made contact with like, me, hit the ground, but whatever. <laughs> and I'm laying there, I'm laying there, like cut. I get back up, I'm like and she's like, I hit you, I hit you. I'm like, did you hit me? I don't think I don't think you did. Like I don't, I don't remember you hitting me. I didn't feel like you hit me. But she's like, she's like, no, I definitely hit you. I definitely kicked your face. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's such a sweetheart. She's such a pleasure to work with. And I was oh, like, I don't, I don't think you hit me. I don't think you hit me. And my buddy Holland Diaz, who doubles Jay Hernandez, who plays Magnum, he, okay, yeah. he goes, no, you definitely got kicked in the face. I'm like, there's no way I kicked in the face. There's no way. Jay Hernandez comes and goes, no, you definitely got kicked in the. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't get kicked in the face. They're like. You have a shoe print on your face. Like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. And so like they take a photo and show it to me. Yeah, I got, I got a big shoe print on my face. And they're like, okay, <laughs> ready to go again? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I stand there and I'm standing there and I'm waiting for makeup to come over and take the take the thing off. Makeup never comes over. 
Like, okay, rolling. They're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's only got a shoe print on his face. Do you want to guys want to take it off? Do you want to remove it? Like, oh, yeah. 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 A little good continuity there. Yeah. Yeah. It happens yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 all the time. I've hit people on set. I've hit other stunt guys because you practice, you practice, you practice. If something happens, they step funny. I step funny. I'm, I'm six inches to the left. They're six inches to the right. All of a sudden, like, yeah. contact. But you got to know. You also got to know how to pull your punch. You got to tuck it in or put it out and make it work so it breaks the line with the camera, but it also so it still looks real and they can do it. And, mm-hmm. and there's some directors are like, you know, stunt, there's some stunt creators like, I don't care. You can look at this 17, 18, 19 times, 20 times. Like, you're hitting the ground. Oh, wow. Hitting the ground. Hitting the ground. Like, come on. There's some guys like, three takes. If we were having three takes, we're not getting it. It's getting cut. So just so you guys know. You got three faces. <laughs> like, okay. Nope. You know, and no so one, one of the things I pride myself on, take one, take 17, take 20. They're all the same. I'm in a safe spot and the same thing hit the ground, the same, the same hit every single time. Like I did a scene for uh, um, uh, the rookie with uh, Nathan Fillion. He, he's famous from, if you're a geek like me, he did Firefly back in the day. Uh, he did the movie. The movie came after he did the series because they want to have a continuation of it, which moved into Castle. In castle, oh, okay, in yeah, 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 yeah. And then now he's on the rookie. He's, he's basically an older guy. Got divorced. He's a rookie on the LA LAPD um, yeah. squad. He's older. He's like an older guy that's a rookie. Right? Oh yes, yes. So, no, no, exactly. like, he hits me in the back of the head with a brick. And it's, and it's a rubber brick. You know, it's a fake brick. But he makes contact. Boom, drops me. Where the director's like, you hit the ground so well. I need to, I need to now catch you actually making contact with the ground on a close up of you just of you just falling to the ground face first. Like, all uh. right. <laughs> so I kind of screwed myself. Now I got to hit the ground from face first. And so thank God to David Rowden, the stunt coordinator, man, that dude, he's like, get on your knees. Because <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm doing it for my feet. I'm not very yeah, tall. Yeah, yeah. It's still 5'10 hitting the ground, right? Yeah. He's like, go for your knees. So I got on my knees. He goes, put your, put your, uh, 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 put your butt on your heels. That's where we're going to film it from, right? So when you sit up tall, slowly fall in the frame, then it speed up as you hit, so it won't be at full force, but it's going to look like it's real. I'm like, all right, okay. First take, I screwed up. Kept my head up. So I hit the ground. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. No. The director's like, dude, everything was great, but we saw the gap in your head. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm sorry. I screwed up. I got it. This is the last thing we'll have to get, but I can do 100 more if you need to, but I got it. I got this worked out. Go. Bang. Hit it. He's like, Holy crap, are you okay? okay? I'm, like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> you need to go again? If we do go again, let's go again right now. Let's go again right now. He's like, no, hold on. He looks at it, plays it back, looks it back again. He goes, no, we got it. Like, you sure? I can do it again. You sure? Now I want to go. No, I want to go again. Like, let's do one more for safety. Let's do one more for safety. Let's just make sure we got it. Let's make sure you guys like, no, we got it. Come look at it. I come and look at it, and it looks like my head bounces off the floor like a basketball. Never made contact on the floor. I just, the first take, I gave myself too much space. I give a little bit less space and just find that fine line of not smacking down. But because I figured it out, now I'm like, I'm not going to get hurt. Let's go yeah. a bunch more. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this might hurt. I don't want to do it again. So, yeah. like, I don't want to up. So, but that's the game. But you got to figure it out. And you got to have guys you trust and guys that understand what's happening. And, you know, and there's, there's all sorts of stuff of different movies. I mean, if you go on YouTube and search like um, uh, mistakes that mistakes that made the movie, mistakes in movie history, it'll be stuff like, should not have been there. It was totally ad libbed. Uh, you've seen Usual Suspects. No, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the lineup scene. They're all laughing. The lineup scene. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're all. It's supposed to be serious. The director is flipping out. He's he is so pissed off. I think oh, Brian, really? 
he's so mad that they're laughing. They just finished lunch. Benicio Ontario is dropping dropping ass. He's farting the whole time. He's just, oh, every take, he's, he's dropping ass because he just whatever they had for lunch, and they're all laughing and giggling. And uh, Baldwin punches him as he punches Baldwin back, like slaps him back, and you know comes out and he's like ends up being the most famous pitcher of all. And that's and that's iconic for that movie. It's like it was a mistake. So you'd be surprised at how many times it's a mistake if these actors stay in character, if they do what they're supposed to do, like remember their lines. Um, it, it like you know Zoolander with Ben Stiller. You know uh, he's talking to David Duchovny. I figure which, which Zoolander it is. And he's like, uh, when we're talking about uh, uh, male models make the perfect, the perfect assassin, okay. yeah, right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, why male actors? And then, or male models. And then he gives him the whole thing. And then right after he goes, yeah, but why male models? And the company being the professional he is, went right, just at libs and goes, I just explained all this to you. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still forgot the next line. He forgot what he's actually supposed to say. And just said, what about line twice. And that was a hit and it made it to the movie. And it's like, that's the one scene I remember of both movies. That's the one scene I remember. You know, you're like, it was a mistake. So these things, yeah. the mistakes do happen. You, you, you don't talk to fighters. We're about, you know, talking about fighting guys. And you look yeah. at like, um, you know, Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva. Chris didn't yeah. want to break Anderson's leg. He didn't want to lose his leg because Anderson kicks hard enough that he start losing the ability to shoot because that leg's going to be sore. He knew he had to start checking that leg. And yeah, did 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 Sarah and Longo work on him to check that leg? Yeah, not like that though, not shit on shin. He yeah. didn't want to do it because it was starting to hurt a little bit. And obviously, he's like, no, but that's how you're supposed to do it. And he realized he hit the right spot, the right area, breaks his leg. You're like, now why does that confidence coming in? There? You know, and you, you saw him, you saw him suffer this last fight. You saw yeah. Whiteman suffer back on '85. You saw him suffer. You saw that's that he fine. had a hard weight cut, but had recovered, but not fully. Yeah. Is there, but not quite all the way there. You know, it can be a terror, but needs a little bit of more help. And that comes from that wrestling background of like, you got to suffer, I got to find a way. And he found a way. And because yeah, he did. his head, and, and I've been there, which is why I can kind of speak to him, even though I didn't talk to Chris. I don't talk to Chris. We're not friends. We don't like, yeah. our families don't hang out. We have drinks together. But he's got that wrestling mentality. And I have the same mentality. So I understand what he's going through. He's going through it going, I don't know if I'm winning this fight. I got to find a way to win. I'm not sure I'm winning this fight. I'm not really positive. This my feeling, my the way my arms are heavy, my legs suck, and I'm I'm breathing so hard. Like this is really hard. And he gets yeah. the victory. He's like, oh yeah, okay. Now I'm sure he's already seen the fight. Now it's been a week. I'm sure he's seen the fight. And he yeah. is hundred percent like, oh yeah, I won that fight. Now he's able to see it. But in the moment, you're like, what the hell's the score? <laughs> like, because yeah. man, I don't know if I'm winning this thing. Like, what's going on? And it's that it's that suffering mentality, it's that ability to, be able to push through stuff and understand that not everything's gonna be peaches and cream, not everything is great. You know, not everything is great. You know, look at look at Conor McGregor and Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes beat the brakes off in the first round. Yeah, yeah, he did. Beat the yeah. Brakes off. There was Conor was nowhere in that fight. Not even close to being in that fight. He hurt him too, didn't he? I think he hurt him yeah, as well. Yeah, because he came with the overhand right, bang, and it took, yeah. took him down. And then Conor kind of finally way up, he hit him again, took him down, balled him. Then Chad ran out of, ran out of gas, and yeah. Conor was like, "Oh nope." And Conor's another guy. He's, you know, as for as much crap as he talks and all that game he plays and all that, but the, his biggest attribute. And all the champs, Stipe and DC are fighting on Saturday, and and Felice Herrig after being laid off for two years, and Felice, uh, um, Carlos Sparza, and you pick anybody that's that's ever been a champ. They love to the suck. <laughs> they love it when it's yeah. it like, and they find a way around the suck, and that's just who they are, and that's what makes them so amazing as competitors, and and people, and as as men and women in life, is because they're like, it's not that bad. I'll yeah, find a way. Your gym is closed. 
You can't train at Timo Yamas anymore. It's closed. The gym is closed down because of COVID. We'll find a way. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're grappling on the beach. All of a sudden, you're hitting bits on the beach. You're throwing kicks. You know, you're, you're in the park. Like you're gonna, you're gonna find a way. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not comfortable because now I can see what I'm doing. But I got to do it. This is what I have to do. Like this, it's not mm-hmm. the weights I'm used to picking up. It's not the way I'm used to doing stuff. But I'll find a way. And that's kind of what what all these every athlete, every athlete. Not I'm just talking about fighters. Every athlete. This is what they're like. I don't care if you're the wide receiver, Roddy White, or 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 uh, 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 Tom Brady. Everybody's got that position. Where like it sucks. Yeah. Here it comes. I'm gonna get hit. I'm gonna get hit, but I gotta wait just one more hundredth of a second to let go of that ball. I'll be okay. I mean, I mean think about all Maple Leaf fans. Think about yeah. Jim, Maple Leaf fans. They obviously love suck because they suck forever. Yeah. <laughs> they do, man. They do suck. I don't. I don't know what's. It's. It must be so embarrassing because the Raptors come in and kick ass and. In a couple of years, and then Leafs can't even make the playoffs. And, and they're all by, the by the same people, they're all by the Rogers. Like, how can yeah. you? And this is Canada's sport. How can you not put this together? Like, what is your it's problem? Foolish. Even the Blue Jays are better. Like, what is. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not saying much either. The Blue Jays suck. Well, really you know, bad, man. I mean, yeah. Still, it's, but it's, baseball, baseball is hard. Baseball is a, is a very difficult sport. There's a lot of is. factors that get involved in that. It's not like. You know, you, you can't have a, you can't have two strong lines. You know, have your first line, your second line be really strong, and be able to and be able and be able to pull off as long as your line three and line four are good at defense and be able to win the and be able to win the game. It's not like that with, with baseball. Because to remember, baseball baseball is the only sport where the defense actually controls the ball. They control the game. Yeah, yeah, but, very good point. You know, so because they control defense is actually in control, it makes it a little weird. You know, and so it's baseball is very hard. There's a lot of there's a lot of different because it's very mathematical. You know, you got to understand you know angles and imaging and, and yeah. you know, yeah, he made contact, but did he get the whole ball? Did he get part of the ball? Did he, you know, and so it's, it's very difficult to put together. So basically, I understand having teams like the Cubs, you know, the 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 Red Sox back in the day, they suck forever. Then all of a sudden yeah. they went to the ship. This is you know that I get, but come on, Toronto, man, yeah. you know, I take at this point. I take that back too, Frank, because I, you know, I'm a big believer that if, if you're not a professional athlete, then you shouldn't be able to call a professional athlete su- like he sucks or she sucks because you're you're fucking suck. You can't. You're not a pro, so you you can't you can't say that. You you're a professional. You can say they suck. Well, no, but I can't. Fan, and that's why they have. That's why you know fanatics. Yeah. You know, you have fanatics. That's why they're fans because they yeah. have a about the sport. They they can have an opinion. And yeah. and, and, and I'm a, I'm gonna pull back the curtain for some of your fans here. Um, love our fans. Love our fans. Absolutely love our fans. Love them. Um, uh, enjoy. Try to answer back every single one personally. So something that takes me a while. Like I, I try to talk to everybody on all my social media. Like I try to be engaged. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna be honest with you. If you're call, if you're trying to hit me up about refing, and you're not a professional referee, I I understand your opinion. I will listen to your opinion. I will see you talking to me. I will engage yeah. with you. But the reality of it is that your opinion does not matter at the end of the day because the guys, the other professionals, the ones that have to tell me what I screwed up on, what I did right, what I did wrong, right? So I can have my opinion about how whatever the the uh, the uh, uh, L.A. Rams are doing. I have my opinion as a fan of the Rams football. Yeah. But the reality of it is when I go and talk to the players that I know, I can't yeah. talk shop to them because I don't know what's going on. I can't. I don't know what's going on. You know, I can't, I can't talk shop. I can tell, I never, like, you guys suck. Like, what the hell? You guys blew up the game and whatever. I thought you had it. But really, I know at the end of the day that my opinion is just an opinion. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The coach, the owner, the other coaches, that's what matters. That's what actually yeah. matters. So, like, people, that's why, like, people come at me um, for, like, certain fights. And, like, oh, you, you're a horrible ref. Like, why are you refing? You're trying to kill that guy. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay. So, and I, I play 
devil's advocate. And I was like, okay, where should I stop the fight? Like, you should stop the fight right here. This is where you should stop the fight, right there at that point. Yes, right there at that point. Well, you're actually completely wrong. Like, you're not, like you're not even – like, now I know that you don't know what you're talking about because you're completely wrong. I should stop the fight. Just being I, an asshole. I will admit I was late, but I wasn't late where you're saying I was late. <laughs> so I don't know what you're looking at. So that's a whole different game. So it's like, yeah, but you still – but you got to understand, too, that especially for MMA, without the fans, there is no MMA. No. There, sure. there, is, there is no MMA. And you say, that, oh, what about baseball without fans or hockey without fans? Well, well let, me, let me tell you something. Hockey almost – shut down entirely after that last strike. They were never coming back. It was ne- hockey, the professional hockey league was over. NHL was done because they strike because in America, which is it is it is a biggest the biggest market for hockey still, unfortunately is the least amount of viewers. I was everybody in Canada watches, but it's still a huge market down here uh, as yeah. far as television revenue. As far as revenue. Right? And so <clears throat> they're like, we gotta figure out a way to get the fans back in still. They need the fans to come back in, right? MMA is built specifically because the fans want to see fights. You still see it today. Why does the UFC not pay attention to the rankings? Shouldn't shouldn't one fight two, three fight four, five fight six, seven fight eight? Why do they make these jumps? Why do they do that? Oh, well, it's timing. This guy just fought. This other person, this other girl needs to fight now. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. But also, too, the fans want to see Rachel Osevich versus Paige Van Zandt. The fans asked for that fight. So, the fights get to happen. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, play the uh, uh, New York Giants, I'm not even sure if they're in the same whatever. Yeah, me either. Actually, okay, right? yeah. I'm, just, I'm just pulling names out of my ass right yeah. now. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. The fans can't write in and talk to the, the commissioner and make the commissioner make that to make that that match happen. It doesn't work like that. And maybe you can make that happen. And maybe they do it all the time. Like, don't come, like what you know? Who who should we put Gaethje against next? Yeah. Everybody, everybody comes out. Yeah. What they're doing, they're trying to find out which fight will get the most pay-per-view buys if they put it together because that's what you're asking for. What fight, what should we put together? Obviously, every fight Connor's on is going to be a huge sale, right? Because Khabib beat Connor every time Khabib fights, it's going to be a huge sale. Not as big as when yeah. Connor fights, but definitely a big sale. If GSP ever comes back, which why I don't understand his mindset on this, is he just I not agree. just – Anyway, yeah, he's winning. He's not like BJ Penn who keeps trying to come back. Yeah. And that makes no yeah. sense. That makes less than sense. You really got to think, think about a GSP fight. Like, why is he coming back? What is he doing? He's coming to, to disrupt stuff because he comes yeah. in and again. Like, if you reti- retired twice, it stops. Like, you yeah. know it. But, but now he's talking about when to fight Khabib, I guess, or something in April or some crap. Like, well, whatever, whatever. Hate it. Hate it. Hate the whole idea yeah. of it. It's stupid. We'll watch every single interview. We'll watch every every show about it. We'll listen to everybody talk about it. Hate it. Totally hate it. I'll be, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm that guy. This is stupid. This is stupid. Why are we doing this? What'd you say? Can you repeat that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I one more interview? Like, it's just, it's the dumbest shit in the world, but I watch everything. I watch it all. Yeah. And I, I'm a baby. So it's like, that's the same with, with these with these fighters that, like, they, you know, the fans dictate kind of what's going to happen when it comes to a fight. The fans dictate it. And that's why MMA, when I say we can't throw out the fans, it's legit. A lot of the matchmaking will not happen because of it. You know, because without the fans being involved, it just does not happen. Very true. That's a that's a great point now that you kind of pointed that out. And, you know, it's, it's right in front of you all the time. And even as a promoter myself, I never kind of clicked in like, holy shit, you're right. How do you think I got in the UFC? If my first fight, UFC 45 against Matt Hughes for title fight. Two things happened. Three things. 
right place, right time. But that's not that like that's the third thing. It's not really a thing though. It was like right place, yeah. right time. Matt had cleared out the division twice at that point. I was talking mad smack outside the division. That's how it happened. People got on got on the old mixed martial arts forums. Yeah, on the ground. So all of a sudden, somebody got in, got in Hughes's ear. He he beat uh, I don't know who he beat. I forget. I apologize. I'm not that good at, at history of MMA. Yeah. He beat somebody and called me out. Called me out after the, after the fight. It was like, oh, okay. And then next week, our phones are ringing. They call my manager trying to get me to sign for the UFC and doing this little bit. And I, I'm like, geez, like this this is all you gotta do is talk talk smack. That's all you gotta do. That's all I did. And that's that's how the fans made that fight happen. That's how. Wow. Yeah, wow. that really it really is how it goes. You know, really and the reason cool. why I ref, you know. My fight game got me into refereeing quickly, right? I, I advanced a lot quicker than most people. My schedule allowed me to ref a lot more. I didn't have a regular nine to five job, right? Yeah. I was able to ref a lot more because I was stunting and acting, and, and as you don't work every day, sometimes there's periods of like three, four months you don't have any work, and so I was putting that together. And then there's times where I was just like, I'm just gonna ref. I'm gonna ref Friday, Saturday, Sunday this weekend. This is what's gonna happen. And because of that, I got moved into Bellator, and and, and because of my skill allows me to be there for Bellator and UFC. But then because I got in there, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, Trick's here. Well, what, what does that mean? He's the only UFC Hall of Famer that's yep. a referee right now. There is no, there is no other Hall of Famer. That's no. I'm the only one. I'm the only referee that's out there that's ever fought in two title fights. Whether I won or lost them, doesn't matter. I fought in two title fights. A title fight, even. Nobody else. Yeah. Not, yeah. not Herzog, not Beltran, not, not uh, uh, Bell, not anybody. Not McDonald. None of those guys have fought in title fights. In, in the big show, yeah. right? It was like, give them more credibility. But also, too, when you mess up, it's a bigger screw-up. <laughs> it's a small screw-up, but it's yeah. way bigger because <laughs> I should know better. I should know better, you know? And it's yeah, like, that, for that too. But I guess, yeah. But that, you know, I don't want to talk too much about, you know, judging and roughing because it's such a subject. Like, it needs help. And it needs help. It definitely needs help. Oh, it def- definitely does. But... You know, I'm not the guy to help it. You know, I'm a jujitsu brown belt and jujitsu guy who loves the sport promoter, but I think they're making the right steps on having, like here we are in our commission in, in Nova Scotia here. Not one person on the commission has any grappling experience or fighting experience for that matter. Boxing experience, but it's a different sport. Yeah. So the good start is, hey, maybe take some coaches, get them on the commission, you know, that kind of thing. And so it is a good start, but that's a long what, way that's to go. California by Andy Foster. He used to fight. He fought in Georgia. He was a commissioner in Georgia. He's an attorney. He's lead, he's executive officer of California. He has a very hard mindset of how MMA should be should be regulated, and he is pressed and he is pushed. And he's made this thing happen. As a result, now the best commission in the entire country. I'm a little biased. Entire world, it's the best commission in the entire world. Awesome. That's it good to hear. California MMA. That's the best commission in the entire world when it comes to MMA. It's California. That's what it is. We have so. Referee of the year uh, is Goddard or for up for a referee of the year. There's like 19 days left in, in uh, what, what is that? The MMA World. MMA, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, World uh, MMA there, Awards. There's five referees. You have uh, Goddard, who's from England. Dean, who's from Southern California. Beltran's from Southern California. Herzog's from Southern California. Trigg is from Southern California. Four of the five are Southern California. What's that tell you? About the referee in the Southern California, right? Now, part, of it, part of it, part of it too, is Dean travels a lot with the UFC, and he and he does a lot of the big fights. A lot of big, the big fights. 
Yeah. Beltran travels a lot with Beltor and does a lot of the big fights. And in California, when it comes here, Beltran or Dean gets the main event, co-main event, depending on which way they're going. And Herzog travels with, with the UFC quite a bit. And he gets the big matches here as well. So it's like these guys get seen. They get the reps. They, you know, we have a lot more fights here. So a lot more reps. You get a lot more time mm -hmm. inside that cage trying to learn what you're supposed to be doing right or wrong. We're a very large amateur organization here called Camo. Mm -hmm. It runs out of – and so we all – all of us, we're off. We, it actually gets suggested, hey, you need to do probably 10 or 15 camo events this year. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. All right. Let me, let me get on them. And you start, and you're like, okay, I'm doing, and the amateur, amateurs, amateur pay. You know, it's it's not, yeah. you know, there's no real pay even in the big league. Like, let's understand that. But there's even less pay in the amateur. We still go. <laughs> so, like, you get seen, you get your rep in. And so, because you have, like, anything else, the first podcast you did was not as good as the podcast is today. Yeah. The more you do it, the better you get at it. That's how it works. So the more reps we get, we get more reps down here. And that, that's how it works out. And we are by far and away the best set. I can I can honestly say without without boasting, without uh, 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 trying to be a dick or put anybody else down, that because of my time in California, you can put me on any card anywhere in the world with any group and I can pull and I can ref. And I will have, have, will have no problem of the importance of the fight or what the fight is going to do or how it's going to go. I can put it together if by – and this happens a lot with fighting. We talked about it earlier. Guys, obviously, this guy's busy. This guy can't make it. I'm I'm up for a refereeing job in Abu Dhabi here at the end of September because Mark Goddard is busy. And that that's kind of how it works. Like, Goddard's busy doing something else, so then I get a phone call that I get to go over and do it. And that, mm. that, So the right chain of events, all of a sudden, I got the main event on a, on a big card. They go, well, how, mm. how did you get here? This other guy was busy. This other guy is out. This guy's not ready. This guy had earlier fights, and we needed him specifically on this particular fight earlier because of the way this fight comes down. A lot of that goes on, too. Like, oh, this okay. fight between you and I is, is going to be a different kind of fight. We need to have Herzog in there. we got to have Herzog's mentality, Herzog's understanding to get in there. We have to have him in there. Or we got to have Dan Merliotta do it because two big-ass heavyweights. We need to have, you know, so it's like yeah. you got to have these guys in there that, that can, can do it. And the optics of it, you know, you don't want, you don't want John McCarthy uh, uh, roughing uh, 125 pound, 115 pound girls, like it looks weird. He's girly yeah, three times your size. It looks weird. <laughs> like the optics of it, but, a lot, but can, can he ref it? Of course he can. So like yeah. chain, the right chain of events, all of a sudden people get pushed in when you're when you're there. And the thing is, is that because of Southern California being the way they are and making things push and trying to fix judging and trying to fix referee, and we have a, we have a Thursday meeting that we have to do um, twice a month uh, where we get on, we watch old fights, we watch. Um, and they're from a different era under different rule regulation. We wow. watch them, grade them, and judge them as we have at, under today's rules and what would it be. A lot of these fights, the rules are like the, the wrong guy won. Back then, the right guy won. Back then, the right guy won. Under today's yeah. rules, the wrong guy won. Yeah. You're like, wow, that, that's how much the sport has changed. That's how much the sport has developed. Like, this is what we're looking at. Like, we're doing these kind of things, like yeah. making a totally different uh, processes of how we look at different positions, different movements from a judging standpoint. We're trying, to, and we're trying to fix it, and it's tough. Like, in 24 minutes, uh, Dana White's Contender Series starts on ESPN Plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna watch it for what reason? I don't. I know one fighter on there. I don't know any of the fighters, and to be honest, I don't really care about the fighters. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. it. I'm not watching it because of well, the fighters. The roughing. I'm watching it from a refereeing standpoint, judging standpoint. How's this look? What is this doing? What's going on? And I'm and I'm and I'm learning stuff from the refs that are working the show. Yeah. I'm gonna learn stuff from, from Herzog. I think is there tonight, and Mark Smith. Uh, the black referee from from Vegas. I think he's working tonight. And Chris Tyone, the white guy, that white bald guy. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I, like yeah. I'm gonna like I'm looking at them and watching what they do in certain positions and how they treat things. Chris Tyone last week, uh, a nut shot, 
okay, guys, this is over here in the corner. Take your time, just relax, take a breath, take a breath. I didn't go talk to him real quick. Stay right here. Please don't talk, please don't talk to your coaches. We want to talk to him. Turns around, walks over. Hey, um, you gotta be in control of all your kicks. You're in control of everything. Uh, I know it's incidental, but I, I really need you to take, take control of it. Um, uh, uh, corner, shh, shh, don't talk. Shh. Can't coach right now. Right back here. Properly. Like, Whoa, he is so calm. Like, what the hell? I'm like, stop doing that. Don't do that again. What you doing? Ready to go? Like, oh, I got So, like, all of a sudden, Chris taught me a lesson. Like, I gotta learn. I gotta learn how to slow down. I gotta stop. I've called time. Slow down. Let me stop. Let me breathe. Give that guy some time. You know, let him understand. Hey, I understand it's a groin shot. I've seen the replay now twice in a jumbotron. I understand to make hard contact. You have as much time as you need. Let me go talk to him. And you learn. It's a whole new verbiage. Like, obviously, you start learning. A whole new demeanor. So when I'm watching fights, like, what do you think about that fight? Ref was great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, who won? I don't know. Who cares? That's guys. I'm not sure. Right? I, I'm not sure who won. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> man, what a wow, man! I don't know how where to go from that, Frank. But uh, I gotta say, man, I'm super honored for you to join us here. And uh, I was only expected to go an, uh, a half hour for, with you, so for you to give me an hour of your time here, I really oh, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And I got, I got no problem talking long. <laughs> no, well, hey, it's that's you know, it's it's one of those things. So, like for me, I try not to keep it like a conversation and try to keep it light and not ask you the same goddamn bullshit that everybody else asks you. But I probably did. Thank you, thank <laughs> you for asking me about the uh, huge fight part two. Thank you for not asking me. Uh, oh. I mean, that's the only thing I want to talk about, or or the Bruce Buffer yeah. elevator story. That's the only thing anybody wants to talk about. Oh man, yeah. Now, well, they now probably literally on a on a on a, and they they cut it out of the podcast. I saw I saw the final result. Uh, but they they asked me that question I'm like, dude, it's been I've been talked about this so much. Just go watch one of the other things I didn't and listen to what they're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's the same answers. Like nothing changes. It's it's the same. The fight was the fight. The fight was the fight. That's it. Like there's I can't yeah. I tell you. Read the book. Go read the book. Yeah. Read the book exactly. Yeah. <laughs> any uh any any final plugs you want to put in there or uh, you know, um, no? Just uh, I see on my head. My Twitter's at Frank Trigg. It's also me on Instagram and uh, my Facebook fan page. Yeah, I think I think it still might be Frank Trinotos Trig, um, but it's me. It's a picture of me. Like you, you, you know, it's me. Um, everything I do, I, like I said, I try to answer and talk to all my fans if they ask me questions. Um, I do try to get back to them. Uh, I might gloss over your question if I find it kind of offensive or stupid, but I will come back to it eventually. I just it might be a month before I get back to it, as opposed to a couple hours, a couple days. Uh, but you, you do get some stupid questions of people, especially now. I can only imagine the way, the way America's working right now. Um, it, it's very difficult to like, to, why, why did you post this? You know, it's completely wrong. Like, first of all, I don't uh, post anything correct. I go down a rabbit hole and I search and I make sure that what I'm posting is actually correct. What happened is that you only read the height, you only read the, that you saw the picture and read the, the headline and then you didn't read the whole article. So go back in and read the whole article and come back to me again when you read the whole article. They never hear from me again because nothing embarrassed. You know, of course, like, yeah, of course, yeah. They, I've had, yeah. you know, I've had people like I've had people come at me like, "How do you know what it's like to be black in America?" Well, you have no right to say to any other black man how to be black in America. I'm like, well, because I'm black, that's how I know. So now yeah. you're now you've offended me, and so you keep this up. I'm just going to out you to everybody else. So stop, just back off where your position is. And this is all private message. It's all slow DM. I'm going to keep it private. I don't try to put anybody out in blast. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everybody's entitled to what they want to do and how they want to handle. Yeah. It. It goes, exactly. so don't tell me what it's like to be black in America. I was born black in America. I've been it my entire yeah. life. And I'm yeah. privileged because I look white. So I have the privilege. So you come talking about privilege, I can tell you what privilege is like. I know exactly what being white privilege is all about because I've had it with a black father. It's like, 
okay, you got to figure this out. Try being raised by a militant black man and only playing white supremacist on TV. <laughs> That's oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's uh, yeah. I was on Shooter, um, a show with... Uh, 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 yeah, I know the show. And I was playing a, a white supremacist. I was like, hey, Pop, just you know, um, I'm playing a white supremacist. So you probably want to... My dad is super supportive of everything that, that we do. And yeah, he's nice. like, he wants to see everything. And he, he wants to watch all of it. I'm like, hey, this one episode, you probably want to skip. I get a little racist in this. And it's, I'm playing a white supremacist wherever. He goes, what happens to you at the end? I go, well, on the script, I'm supposed to just get arrested and taken to jail, and I'm supposed to come later. I'm supposed to come back later later in the in the thing. But the day of, the director decided to kill me off, so I die. I get a headshot, and I die. He's like, oh, I'm watching it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. That, that's PBR, no question. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Because you die. I don't care. You die. I'm, I'm perfect with that. I'm fine with it. You, you, you get your <laughs> I don't want to see you survive. I'm like, but yeah, that's Go how ahead. it is. I get stuff like that all the time. Hate mail, and, and, and then my wife has to. My wife handles, uh, reads all my stuff. So yeah. she's like, sometimes, like, hey, you might want to answer this person back right away. I'm like, well, what, why? Like, you, they're going down a rap, they're going down a real bad rabbit hole right now. You got to get a hold, you got to talk to them. I'm like, okay. And yeah. I get some people like just cry for help. You're a piece of shit. You suck. You're an asshole. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, thanks for being a fan. I appreciate you paying attention to all the stuff I do. And, and you know, thanks. So, hopefully, I can turn you into a fan later. I don't think you don't respond. Well, yeah, respond to everybody. Everybody knows I try to respond to everybody. Like TRT. I love you now. I love you. You know, like, hey, man, you're so nice. You're so cool. And then, like, months later, hey, man, thank you so much for talking to me. I was really going through a really bad time. You kind of helped me out of it. Blah, blah. And I'm like, I tell this to everybody, you're having a bad time? Hit me up. I got thick skin. I'm not scared. You're not going to bother me. You're not going to chase me down. Right. And, you know, I'm super liberal, but I got a, but I got a lot of guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am not worried about my life. Like you, you want to attack somebody? Come attack me. I'm okay with that. Right? Let's yeah. try to hash it out. Let's get you over your bad day. Let's try to figure your bad day out. Try to figure out how to make you happy. Give you a better day. You know, if I can do that to one person a day, I've done my job. I've done my yeah. job as a human. I'm good. You know, it's true. There you have it, folks. Awesome. Well, man, those are fantastic words. Fantastic advice. A fantastic hour. I can't thank you enough so much for uh, I'll call it Mr. Frank Trigg for joining me. And uh, man, uh, lots of love to you guys out in California. And hopefully we can get you uh, sometime maybe in Nova Scotia to, uh, I'd love uh, to. Work, one of, work one of our events or uh, something I'd love, like that. I'd love to. I love, I love traveling. I love, that's one of my passions is seeing the world, man. I love it. Anytime I get a chance to go on a plane, man, it's like, that's, like that, yeah. that's really one of those things that fills me up. It's like, even if it's just going someplace, you know, someplace quick. Just flying to Vegas real fast. Like, man, I love getting on planes. You get out of Nova cool. Scotia, man. I'd, I'd love to come out to Nova Scotia. Hey, man, we, we had uh, we had Jimmy Smith actually come up for our first event and commentate the event, too, nice. which was kind of cool. So we're always looking to, you know, kind of. Do you use uh, Todd Anderson as one of your refs? Who? Todd Anderson? No, no, it's all local commission guys. So, like, okay. they yeah, he's, uh, so Todd, Todd's a cop in Toronto, uh, just retired. But he's, he's also okay. he refs down in New York all the time. He's right above it. So he's always in. He's always at Madison Square Garden doing the shows, and he's always doing. Oh them. man, we could probably use him. Let me tell you, Todd's good. Todd's, Todd's an amazing referee. He's really good. Like I, awesome. I really can't tell you enough. Like, he's really good. He's really good. And, and a guy, and a guy that if, you, if you're like, hey, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to ref my fight. His fighters have that, have that, you know, they have that that ability. Yeah, they want the referee. Yep. I don't want you to ref my fight. Okay, then you better put Todd on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's the guy that's going to be just as good as me on that group. Like, yeah, I put him in there. Otherwise, you're kind of stepping down. So that's all. That's, yeah. my, only that's my only opinion. Is, Take All that. right, there you go. If we do it, we got to bring you both together. All right, man, lots of love. Enjoy the continuity. Shout out to uh, TJ Laramie, a good Canadian boy there on the cards, and I hope he does well. Thanks, man.
Take care, bud. Fantastic, folks. Legend, uh, Frank Trigg. So cool to have him on our show, episode 100. Uh, thanks for everybody tuning in and watching. I'm not sure what's going on with the lighting. Uh, I look very pale. My beard looks very yellow, and I look fat. But I did eat two Reese's Pieces ice cream sandwiches last night before I went to bed. Not a good idea. But I'll be training lots this week. Shout out to my coach, Jared McIntosh and Jared Rorson. I'll be down to get my ass kicked this week. I hope you're ready. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Actually, tomorrow night, Brad Call, if you're watching, I'll be out with Clinch tomorrow night uh, to do a little uh, no-gi action. I'm excited for that. But uh, fantastic episode. Everybody who uh, commented, you got another, uh, that's right, Steve, uh, the camera adds 20 pounds. I don't know, 184 or so right now, I think. I don't know. I'm wrinkly. I'm 40 this year. No excuses. No cares. I'm in the present. I'm happy. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, you got about 10 seconds to make a comment there. And uh, then, obviously, tomorrow we'll do a little draw. I don't think anybody tagged two friends. So, yeah, I guess our uh, contest was kind of a, a bust. But we'll make sure to give it out anyway. Uh, if you can be anything in this world, folks, as always, make sure you can be kind. We will see you Monday with Braulio Estima, Monday night and Tuesday night, Mark Hominick. See ya. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to hit that subscribe button. As always, thanks to our friends and sponsors. Without you, none of this is possible.